What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 131 presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am ready AF for the NHL season to get underway. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and his favorite American League baseball team missed the playoffs despite having a better record than a team that won a playoff game yesterday. Frank, how you doing? Way to bring down the mood. <laughs> Thanks, Dick. I mean... We're all suffering together this baseball season. That's why I'm excited for hockey in six days. Absolutely. You're not going to sit here and tell me you didn't enjoy the H out of yesterday, though. I, it was it was good. I missed the Mariners and the Cubs not being in it. Understood. It felt like a void. Right? Understood. I had nothing to be excited about for this uh, playoff season, really. Uh, I think the Twins are overrated. I'm not a big fan of the Twins. Um, I never really have been. So, I mean, there's really – I. I, you know, I hate the Astros. There's not a lot to be excited about. There's a few teams. I'm excited to see how the Orioles do. Um, I like them. I like that they're up and coming. But I want to see the Blue Jays do well, obviously, because they're facing the Twins. But other than that, I mean, this year is like kind of meh, like mush. The Twins won a playoff game for the first time since 2004. So that's pretty cool. I am happy. They, they, Minnesota's got great. I always considered because I do believe – Boston, New York, and Chicago. Those are the big four in sports markets. But in this, in those are S tier sports markets. I would put the Twin Cities in the A tier. I really would. Mm-hmm. They love the Vikings, Wild, uh, Twins, and Timberwolves. They do. And so I'm happy for those people. Uh, I'm rooting for the Blue Jays, too. The Twins are probably the White Sox biggest non-cubs rival right rangers like, won texas yeah. Travis said hashtag texas texas rangers i want an all electric i want an all texas alcs That'd really cool. bad really bad as long as the uh rangers come out victorious yeah i mean on south burbs hitman on monday night i predicted that the houston astros would repeat as world series champions oh, no. over the atlanta braves i, I hope i'm wrong i can't do i hope it. i'm wrong frank i hope i'm wrong i just have a hunch that the astros like because there's not like six teams that are like all super exciting right now, everyone feels kind of equal. Um, I think the Dodgers are a sneaky team this year because no one's talking about them. Um, but yeah, I, I'm pumped about the baseball playoffs. I watched every game yesterday except for the last one, Philly, uh, Miami, because I was looking at the scores while we were doing our fantasy hockey draft and it never really got close. So what's up to everybody in the chat? Skokes, Travis, Tom. Good to see you guys. Um, I I loved it. And Glasnow, he pitched so well, and it looked like he was pitching for the White Sox because his four errors when he left the game, and that led to two <laughs> runs against them. That's tough. Um, just horrible defense by the Rays, and they didn't give him any run support. So he's down 2 nothing when he comes out because of errors and no defense. But he pitched well. Um, we'll see if the Rays are able to bounce back. You know, I don't know something funny. In this format of wildcard weekend, best of three, 10 out of the 12 teams to take a one nothing lead went on to win. Wow. I can't for the life of me think of who the other team is that choked a one nothing lead in the series, but the White Sox are the other one. I think the Blue Jays are going to win the series. So you think the Twins are going to add to that list of uh-huh. – teams to take the one nothing lead in the wild card yeah 2020 the white Sox, lucas giolito dominated one game one dallas keichel comes in game two gets shits on and then 
there was a bullpen game in game three and Luis Robert Jr. hit a five billion foot home run in the first inning. And then that was about the end of the fun for the White Sox from there. But yeah, they're one of the two teams to choke a one nothing lead in this format of the best of three. I like this so, format. Crazy. I do too. More baseball. I don't like just one and done. More baseball. This isn't the NFL. Come on. No. Yeah. Sign me up for more sports. You play 162 games. Your season's done on one game. I mean, come on. I still think the playoffs are too short based on that fact. I, I really do too. Like one, there are at least two teams whose season ends today. I would guess that the teams that won yesterday will at least go two and two today. At I mean, minimum. At I mean, minimum. They, they might, might go four three. and up. They could be three. They could be four. I know you like the Jays. They could lose though. Yeah, they could. All in and 162 games, you were good enough to make the postseason two days in, boom, gone. Wild. Yeah. Well, that's why they call it the wild card, though. Just saying, the top two in each league get a bye. Like, get a bye. I, that's one of the arguments people will throw. I don't know how I feel. I don't really think there's a uh, a perfect solution. Because... But isn't the, isn't the next round five games, though? Yeah, yeah. That's also too short. It should be seven. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That that's how baseball's been for a hundred years. It's gonna be hard to convince people that it needs to change, but well, there's no perfect solution to it because of the fact that the season is so long. That's like, why like it's that's even more so why it should be longer, the series. Yeah, that's you're right. You're right. Eighty two games in the NHL and you have to win at least sixteen games yeah, in the season. And every NFL. series is best of seven. Yeah, exactly. And here exactly. you play hundred and sixty two, your season's over in potentially two games. No, and this isn't Frankie and I shitting on baseball. I love baseball. I love it. It's one of my favorite things in the world. But the playoff format opposed to the regular season is a little off, in my opinion. Um, But, Frank, the baseball shows tomorrow at 2 p.m. So if you want to hear more baseball talk, you listen to Crosstown Crosstalk at 2 p.m. The rest of this show, we have some other sports ball to talk about. And we're going to do things a little different than we've ever done them before because this is our last show before the NHL season kicks off next Tuesday. It always starts on a Wednesday. This year it's a Tuesday. We have our last show. So we're going to be making our predictions for our the trophies and who's going to make the playoffs. We're even going to throw a way too early Stanley Cup prediction out there. And we are also going to preview – the Metropolitan Division, that is our fourth and final division preview. We've gone through the other three. You can go back and listen to the old episodes if you missed the Central Atlantic and Pacific. But in the first period, we are going to do what we normally do in the third period. So I take you now to period number one. Welcome to period one, Frank Football. Love football. What a week it was. Uh, my favorite game of the weekend coming in, like my favorite matchup, turned out to be a dud game in your favor, um, of course. And we'll get to them in a minute. Uh, but, Frank, I want to start off talking about football with the first game of Sunday. It was the game over in London. You were also able to see it on ESPN Plus in Andy's room. Of course, I'm talking about the Jaguars versus the Falcons. What did you take away from the Toy Story edition of the game? Did you get to see any of it? Some clips, maybe a little bit? I uh, I put it on Disney Plus to watch it in the Toy Story version. I, I didn't get up at 8.30 to watch it, but I caught the tail end of it. And the Jaguars came out and played beautifully. I mean, that's their home away from home, and they managed to beat the Falcons 23-7. games there. I Ten. know. I, that's what the I was next about to say. Next closest has four. Yeah. The team looked great. They looked comfortable. 
Um, this is the Jaguars team that I thought would bounce back. We talked about it last week if we thought they would bounce back. Well, this is what I thought. This was the team that I thought we would expect going forward. They proved it 23 to seven. I know the Falcons kind of, you know, stink a little bit, but they were, listen, they were two and zero at one point and uh, you got to beat the teams you're given and they look great. And like you said, they've since 2013, they've played a total of 10 times or five and five in those games. They've built a huge fan base in the UK. Um, and it's great for the fans because they're watching one of the better up and coming teams develop. So um, it, it's it's nice, and I'm pretty sure they make a trip there this week. They've been there for a week and a half. Yeah, I'm they never sure came they home. Left. Yeah, no. and they play the Bills, right? Yes, they play the Buffalo Bills, which I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting. I think both teams will play hard. I do think both teams have a chance. I really, really do. You probably don't, but um, I watched almost the entire second half on the Toy Story broadcast. I know that sounds, but I like enjoyed it. I loved it. It was fun. And I, you know, I had the real one on the computer too, but you know, I had a good time with it. I, it's funny. You, you caught the tail end of it cause you didn't wake up in time. I was up at seven so I can have breakfast on the table in time for the game to start. So it was an early morning for VP on Saturday or Sunday. And I loved it. I loved everything about it. Congrats to the Jags on getting a big win. Let's go Jags. Make sure you go to blackandteal.com to read all my recaps about the Jags and things I think about them. Um, Frank, not long after this big Jaguars win in Andy's room, though, uh, our favorite team, the Chicago Bears, lost again. And I told you over the weekend that I think they would lose to the Broncos. I thought they'd get blown out. But I'll tell you what, I would have rathered them get blown out than what we saw on Sunday. For those of you who might live under a rock and not know, the Chicago Bears had a 28-7 to lead over the Denver Broncos at Soldier Field. It was the most electric that the crowd at Soldier Field had been in a long time. They, you know, they came in on a 13-game losing streak. They haven't won since October 26th of 2022. And... It was it's crazy how crazy this thing has been. Uh, the Broncos came all the way back. Russell Wilson has played well this season. He's top five in a lot of offensive statistics. The team sucks around him, and he's one and three for a reason. Um, he's not Seattle Seahawks Russell Wilson, but he's played well this year. There's no doubt about it. And um, they came all the way back, beat the Bears. Matt Eberflus decided not to go for it on, or he decided not to kick a field goal in field goal range, like well field goal range on fourth and one. You could have taken the lead with a minute left, and they chose not to. The Broncos come down, kick the game winner themselves, and what a disgusting team the Chicago Bears are. <laughs> yeah, and you, you know what you failed to mention is the Bears not only blew the lead, but they had a 21-point lead with 14 seconds to go in the third quarter. I said they were down 28-7. to seven. Yeah, I know, but. You didn't say when. It makes it worse when they're down 20 yeah. with 14 seconds to go. In the, we'll just call it the fourth quarter at that point. Yeah, it's like I the 28-3 to three Falcons yeah. lead that they had. It's with different four, if with... you're down 28-7 to seven in the second quarter, but you're down 28-7 to seven, almost seconds away from going to the fourth quarter and you blow the game. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I honestly don't know how they could win a game this year. Truly, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like, I don't care if you're playing the Cardinals and the Cardinals got their second strings playing all around, all across the board. I don't know how you could trust them to win if you can't beat one of the bottom teams in the league. I mean, how can you trust them at any point during the year then? You just can't. And, you know, it's very disappointing. And I'm worried for them. 
Like this season's done, but I'm just worried about them going forward is what I'm saying. Same. I think the commanders will smoke them. Yeah, the I didn't Vikings, realize the game was tomorrow. It's tomorrow, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Vikings, that's the week after, after a mini-buy. Um, the Vikings, they're not bad. They're not good like last year, but they still have – they're better than the Bears. The Raiders, not a good team, but again – I still think the worst team in the AFC is way better than the Bears. Um, then they have the Chargers, who will probably blow them out at home. Then they have the Saints, who will probably blow them out at home. And then the Bears come home from the road, two straight road games, and they host the Carolina Panthers. That's actually probably the realistic chance they have to win. And if they lose, well, the Panthers also have, gave their first round pick to the Bears. So we're rooting for the Panthers to lose every single game too. But that's honestly the next possible win I see on the schedule. And at that point, they would be 0-5, 6, 7, 8, 9. They would be 0-9 going into that game against the Panthers. I'm rooting for it, honestly. I'm with Skyler. I am. To, I was I'm with Skyler for it this week. So, Absolutely. yeah, no, me too. And you might have saw my snap 28 to 7. The Bears oh, will I lose. Know. I put it on my story. The Bears will lose. And then at the final, I took another screenshot of the final and said, told you. <laughs> That's terrible. Because I kind of said it like tongue in cheek when they were down 28 to 7. Like, oh, the Bears will blow this one. But then when they actually blow it again, I'm like, Ugh. and Matt Eberflus, I ship him to the sun. Like he, if they lose tomorrow, he's fired. It'll be the first time in Chicago Bears history that they fire a coach midseason. At that They're, point, what's the point, though? Something to show that this team gives a damn. Something. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in terms of wins and losses. That won't save the season. You got to get them out of there, though, if they lose again tomorrow and make it 15 straight oh, losses. The tomorrow. coach of 15 straight losses can't finish the season. No shot. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know there's no point to it in terms of like football X's and O's, but if you're Ryan Pulse, tell me you care. Tell me you care. Skyler worded it perfectly. It would establish accountability. You lose 15 straight games, get the fuck out of here. Just saying. Like, and listen, Justin Fields played awesome in the first three quarters. He was terrible in the fourth quarter. And people, oh, no protection, the, the fumble. He had guys chasing him from the second the snap started. Sure, the offensive line sucks. But Patrick Mahomes in that situation, uh, Patrick Mahomes is a bad example. He's 10 times better than the second best guy. Josh Allen, um, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, they would have just covered the football and taken the sack. Accept your loss at that point. Live to fight another day. Justin Fields, he's got to be holding it out here when the guys are chasing him. And, of course, it's going to be a fumble. I mean, it's just crazy to me that people just continue to give him the benefit well in the first three quarters. He did. He did. But part of being an established winning quarterback is closing out football games. And the game-losing pick, I don't know if it was Cole Komet's fault. I don't know if it was um, Justin Fields' fault. It was probably a little bit of both. But, I mean, you can't throw a pick in that situation. You just You can't – with the reputation that you have, and you're five and twenty-five, or whatever Justin Fields is in his NFL career. You know his first win came um, two years ago today, October fourth, two thousand twenty-one. He's only won four times since then. <laughs> I mean, come on! I know wins aren't a quarterback stat, 
in most people's opinion, including mine, I think, because there are a lot of things that go into being a winning football team. But I mean, damn. I mean, damn. Daniel Jones is like 24 and 30-something, and people are shitting on him for that. I mean. Well, he stinks. Let's not get the – let's. I, no, think but he's, he, I think he stinks. He's better than Justin Fields. He is unequivocally better than Justin Fields. I don't Fields. know. I don't know which side of the – Spectrum, I would. Uh, no, I think Justin Quarter, uh, Justin Fields is amongst the worst in the NFL right now. He doesn't. I have to really think about it. Yeah, I mean Daniel Daniel Jones' season last year was good. Yeah, he was Justin good. Fields. Justin Fields cannot say that that he was good for any stretch of time. He hasn't put two good games in a row, ever. Daniel Jones has put eight out of ten good games in a row. The Giants. I don't necessarily think you can win a Super Bowl with Daniel Jones. But can you win a division title, perhaps a playoff game? Yeah, I do think so. They suck this year. Their offensive line's terrible. His weapons are ass. Saquon Barkley's not there. But when you put those things around Daniel Jones, he can win you games. You put those things around Justin Fields. Not happening. Not happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm out on Mac Jones, too. He sucks, too. He's bad. He's bad, too. People are thinking he was the second-best quarterback from that draft class. Uh, Zach Wilson looked good last game against the Chefs. Okay? Trevor Lawrence is the only star out of those five. We thought all five of them were going to be stars. Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, and Trevor Lawrence. The only one I'd want is Trevor Lawrence. And even he needs to be a little bit better. He was great in London, but he needs to be better going forward, too. Um, big game against the Buffalo Bills this year or this week. I can't, I can't wait. wait. So we'll lean right into that. The Buffalo Bills are back. Frank, I owe you an apology. Uh, to me, they were never gone. Okay, well, they were. Last year in the final six games, they were terrible. So was Josh Allen. You can't throw interceptions. This is a quarterback-driven league, and you have to protect the football. Josh Allen was not doing that in – the end of last year's regular season, and they squeaked away a win over the Dolphins in the playoffs last year that they really didn't deserve to win, you might remember. Um, and then they got shelled in their next game um, by – who was it? Was it to the Chiefs or – no, to the Bengals. The Bengals literally destroyed them. Then they come out this year in week one, and they lose to the freaking Jets. They can't even get, like, a touchdown. Um, I'm thinking to myself, what happened to the Bills? And then since then, to their credit, <laughs> they've probably been the best team in the AFC since that moment. They've been fantastic. Um, you'll see where I ranked them on my top 10 in the NFL list because we're doing that every other week this year yeah. for people who don't know. I think that's way smarter than doing it every week because things. when you look back at our last list, things change. Two weeks over. One week over, not really. Two weeks over is perfect. We'll have eight edition of these throughout the season, I think. I'm not good at math. No, nine. Um they they are a really, really good team, and I'm proud of them. They beat the uh, Miami Dolphins, who just can't stop scoring points. Um, you knew the Bills would have to score a lot of points to beat the Dolphins, and that turned out to be true, and they were able to. So, Frank, your Bills. Listen, they've scored 37 points in their at least in their past three games. Their offense looks great. Josh Allen looks like Josh Allen. The Bills' defense looked like a top defense in the NFL, which is why I never looked lost. With Nolvon Miller, too. He's which coming was, back soon. Which is why uh, 
never lost faith with them after the first week anyway. Um, they've only given up a total of 33 points combined in their past three weeks. Um, they look dangerous. I think everybody in the AFC, AFC should fear them, every team, um, especially after they dismantled the Dolphins. Like By 28, you beat them by four touchdowns, and they were a powerhouse on my rankings two weeks ago. Um, you know, but listen, once again, the bills play the jets on November 19th. If they struggle in that game, I hope no one will say, "Uh Oh, here we go. The Josh Allen's going back to old ways. Um, are the bills frauds? Uh, no, I'm, I'm expecting another close game, honestly, against the jets on November 19th. So, um, the jets defense is very good. Look what they did against the chiefs. They almost snuck out a win and upset them. So, like I said, take that loss with a grain of salt. The Bills are here to stay, and I, like I said, I still think they're going to win the Super Bowl. That November 19th game between the Jets and the Bills, that's going to be the game Aaron Rodgers makes his surprise return. Could you imagine? That brother's coming back this season. I hope you know. Uh, well, He's coming back this regular season. I, I don't know about that. He's coming back. Do you I'm know telling how you. hard it is to recover from that injury? Do you know how hard it is to already be walking? Right now, yeah, but he's got crutches. He walked without him, bro. Nobody is more locked in to the life of Aaron Rodgers than me. I don't know, though. He was I, on Aaron Rodgers Tuesday yesterday. This brother's coming back. This I'm not buying it. When he comes back, you're gonna say, Okay, VP, I'll, I'm gonna, I'll admit, I'm not gonna question was, your Aaron Rodgers knowledge going forward. If he comes back, I won't. They have to make the playoffs for it to be worth it. I, okay, if they're, I'll preface it with this: if they don't win any of the next four games, then no, he's not going to come back. But if they squeak out a couple wins, and let's say they're four and four going into Week Nine, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, baby, we'll see. The New York Jets, uh, Frank, the Cowboys got shelled by the Cardinals. Came back last week, big win. What are you thinking? I know they've been dominant lately, but I don't trust them. That's part of the reason why when we did our preseason predictions, I chose the Eagles and the Commanders to both come out of that division. And I'm still going to put my faith in the Commanders as the second-best team behind the Eagles. Plus, the Commanders have the Bears this week, which is like an auto win, so we could assume they're just 3-2 and two already. Um, I'm The Cowboys are frauds. They'll, they'll blow any team out, and then you make it to the playoffs for a meaningful game. and psh, Nothing. I, I don't trust the Cowboys. They're, there's Something needs to change there, too, because they, like, they don't get anything done. They're good in the regular season. Like They have no business losing to the Cardinals, and then you're blowing out everybody else you play. It, it really makes no sense. They're like the Toronto Maple Leafs of the NFL. They, they do great in the regular season, then come playoffs. Like like I said last week, we never talk about the Cowboys being Super Bowl contenders when we choose our five actual teams that we think is going to be Super Bowl champions. We never mention the Cowboys, ever. And we're skeptical of even putting them in the playoffs, and I didn't even have them in the playoffs this year in our preseason predictions. And I, I don't know if they will still, even though they're 3-1. and one. I wouldn't be shocked if they miss. I wouldn't be shocked either. I put them as the seventh seed. Um, I will say if the Commanders lose to the Bears, done. Yeah, it's tough. Out on them. Out on them. I'm in on them right now. I like Sam Howell. Oh, so do I. I'm in on them right now. And I'm in on them long term, regardless of what happens. I think Sam Howell's better than Justin Fields. Which is <laughs> I, I really I really believe that. That's bad. That's bad. Um I will say this. Not a Cowboys apologist at all. 
The Cardinals play. I watched some red zone this weekend. The Cardinals played the 49ers hard. They that team, good. they play hard. They're not talented. They play hard, though. They, yeah. And so I don't think I don't think them beating the Cowboys is as, it's it's egregious, but it's not as egregious as we originally thought. Because they played San Francisco hard. And we all know about San Francisco. So I think, you know, it's one of those teams that they're like pesky. They'll have a couple big wins this season over teams that are significantly better than them. They already got one. Um, I'm out on the Cowboys in terms of Super Bowl prediction, but you'll see where I rank them in my top 10 list that I think we should get to right now. Okay. Are you ready with number 10? Um, yeah, we're going to go 10. 10 down to one, one apiece. 10 down to one, one apiece. Yeah. Do you want me to go first or you, you want to go first? All right, VP. Well, number 10. I got the Los Angeles Chargers. They're finally in their groove. Their first two weeks were rough, and theoretically they could be 4-0. I mean, I don't know how they ended up going 0-2 without turning the ball over and scoring close to 60 points through two weeks. But, you know, that's football for you. But they've really pulled it together lately, and I really couldn't put them anywhere higher on this list because they're 2-2. Two two. Um, but they've looked good lately, so I gave them the respect at number 10. I also have one two and two team on this list, and it's the team I have at number 10. I put the Jacksonville Jaguars. I did go back and forth between the Chargers and the Jaguars. My bias prevailed. Um, I like the way they looked in this last weekend against the Atlanta Falcons. And I think the fact that they have the Bills on a neutral site rather than in Buffalo could play to their advantage. I think if there was a week where the Jaguars could pull out an early season win against the Bills while they're hot, pre being hot, I think the Jags could take the Bills any day. But the Bills are white hot right now, and that's a tough matchup. So I left them at 10 after a 2-2 two and two start. I uh, Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I, don't, I didn't add the Jaguars to my list. They were two weeks ago, um, but they'd probably be 11. Yeah, and I would put the Chargers 11. I, I wrote them both down, and I was going to mention the Chargers as an honorable mention at the end, but I figured I'd might as well say it now since you literally put them mm-hmm. right on the cusp just like me. Um, at number nine, this might be surprising to people. I put the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Wow. Tom Brady retires, and all everybody thinks they're going to be the worst team in the league, and they forget that their entire front – and this is me included. I predicted them to be one of the worst teams in the league too. But then you think about it, and then you're like, what was I thinking? Their defensive front is all Super Bowl champions, guys who they won the Super Bowl with. You know, just absolute dogs at getting the quarterback. And then you insert Baker Mayfield. Okay, Baker Mayfield was the number one pick in the draft, and he was a bust in Cleveland. But he was still a dynamic elite quarterback prospect out of Oklahoma when he came in. Mm-hmm. And I get kind of like Geno Smith vibes. Geno Smith was a bust with two different New York teams. High draft pick, thought he was going to be elite. Oh, he finds his way to Seattle. And all of a sudden you start to see what it was that made Geno Smith such a high quarterback draft pick. Marcus Mariota, the same thing as soon as he got, I know he's not the starter in Atlanta anymore, but for a couple of years there, he was good after failing in Tennessee. These high draft picks, sometimes getting drafted into a situation does hurt you. And we know what a shit show Cleveland is. 
Uh, Baker Mayfield, he goes to a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have a lot surrounding him, and he's looked the part so far. Am I confident it's going to continue for a whole season? I don't know. But Baker Mayfield was the number one pick for a reason. He looks like it with the Jaguar or with the Buccaneers so far. It's a very interesting pick. I don't know where I stand on the Buccaneers, to be honest with you. Three and one. They're three Not and bad. one. I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs. So, okay. Um, we'll see. It's a good pick. I understand why you picked him at nine. My ninth pick, I'm going with the Seattle Seahawks. The reason I got them so low is because their offense has looked very sloppy, but they're three and one. They managed to get it done. Their defense has looked no better, really. They, they, they look pretty good against the Giants, but take that with a grain of salt. Um, that They had a tremendous pick six. But, you know, I, I do think come January, Seahawks will still be in a playoff spot. I had them predicted to make the playoffs uh, preseason. They need to improve their offense and defense if they really want to become a threat. They I think they looked better last year than they do this year. Um, Geno Smith's kind of going back to old habits, but – Nonetheless, they're getting it done, and that's all you have to do at the end of the day is get it done. So, got the Seahawks at nine. I like the pick. I like the pick. I will elaborate shortly. Um, my number eight, I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys. They blow out their opponents, giving the benefit of the doubt. Great. You're a top 10 powerhouse team right now. That's fine. But their loss against the Cowboys or the Cardinals just proved my theory about how inconsistent they could be. And, you know, I, I just don't trust them. But you're scoring a ton of points. I mean, we have to take that into account. So I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys at number eight. I put the Seattle Seahawks at number eight. They are a good team. I'm still hesitant on whether or not they're a great team. I think the Jaguars have a better chance of being a great team than the Seahawks and the Bucks by the end of the season. Um, but the Seahawks at eight, they run the ball. Okay. The, you know, they find ways to win. And I think Pete Carroll might give them the edge in some of these games that they don't always necessarily play as well in, but they're well coached and they find ways to win. And there's another team on this list that I'm going to have pretty much the same sentiment about, about finding ways to win, no matter what the Seahawks have been one of those teams so far. They play in a very hard division, um, you know, the Rams are better than people thought. Um, we know about the team that's leading the division, but you know, credit to the Seahawks and Pete Carroll, they deserve a spot in the top eight at this point for me. Like it at number seven, I have the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens come in every one season as a wild card because it's like, okay, if Lamar Jackson is healthy for the whole season, they could win the Super Bowl. You look at their roster from top to bottom, and it's unbelievable. Good linebackers, good overall defense, smart head coach that's been a Super Bowl champion. You know, pretty good protection, good weapons for the quarterback, but this is a quarterback-driven league. And if Lamar Jackson's healthy, he, we've seen him win an MVP. We've seen him win playoff game, make it to the playoffs year after year as long as he's healthy. So far through their season this year, I have nothing but nice things to say mm -hmm. about them and the way that they dominated. I think it was the Cleveland Browns this weekend. Yeah, um, they they're on a roll, and I really don't see it slowing down. It it wouldn't shock me if they ended up being the team that wins the um, NFC, uh, AFC North due to the fact that the Bengals have kind of failed everyone so far this season. And yeah. Joe Burrow, he's very hurt, and he just has not played well since sustaining his calf injury. And that's given the Ravens a little bit of a leeway. They're taking advantage. Yeah, my number seven's the Ravens as well. Um, their only loss was to the Colts. 
they were very injured that game, the Ravens. Yeah. They had a lot of players out. So And they still almost won. It came down to a field goal in overtime. But besides that, they've looked great. They're clearly the best team in the division right now. They're better than the Bengals. They're better than the Steelers, and they're better than the Browns. And they look good. And they're one of my top five serious contenders for the Super Bowl this year. I think they could surprise, um, especially if they stay healthy and Lamar could stay healthy. They got a great coach, a great mindset to, to win a Super Bowl. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that. I like that we both have the Ravens at seven. My number six is the Detroit Lions for the reason being that I really like the way they played against Detroit in or in, against Green Bay in Green Bay on that Thursday night rivalry football game. Um, and they looked great. They really impressed me. I, I thought they were, they were going to lose that game. Honestly, I thought Green Bay was going to come out from what we've seen from Jordan Love and the team. But the Lions, they proved they got it, man. And. I'm pretty sure you had them in the playoffs. I had them in the playoffs preseason. Um, I'm going to stick with that. They look good to do that against Green Bay, even though you're probably you're better than Green Bay on paper. But just to do that and blow them out, that that to me gave me mad props and moved me them up on my list. It was the first time, and I omitted the Lions. I, I didn't put them on my list, and I'm probably disrespectful. Um, I'd like to see just a little more if they keep it going by the next list. They'll not only be on the list, but they'll be in the upper half. Um, I think they can make that kind of jump for me. Um, they hadn't been a betting favorite in Green Bay when Green Bay's starting quarterback was playing, which means there was a game where they were favored where the either Rodgers or Favre were injured. It was probably mm-hmm. last year. Um they haven't been favored in Green Bay with the starter playing since 1991, wow. which is a very long time ago. They entered that game as the favorite. They won, so credit to them. They're not on my list, but they will be soon. At six, I put the Dallas Cowboys. For all the reasons you put them in your top ten, I have them too. They're a really good football team. I don't think there's any doubt that they can win any game. It's just a matter of will they win any game. Um, I like – seeing uh, Mike McCarthy be the play caller. That's not really something that has been something for him in Dallas, but it's worked so far. They got shelled by the Cardinals, who are supposed to be the worst team in the league, but they're clearly not. Um, They've played a bunch of people hard, and I do think the Cowboys deserve a little bit of, you know, the fact that they, they got killed by the Cardinals. Instead of falling off the rails, they came back and dominated again this week, and they're like, hey, that Cardinals team, make fun of us for getting killed by them. Be careful when you play them. Be careful when you play them, San Francisco. Okay, San Francisco won. They're a way better team than everybody, I think. But, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys, it's probably the best or second best Cowboys team in my life. There was the year where Des Bryant um, had that catch in the end zone. They were playing the Packers in the playoffs. That might be the best Cowboys team that I've seen in Mm -hmm. my life. But it's either that one or this one so far. And so we'll see. But I have the Cowboys at six. At number five, I have the Chiefs. The Chiefs, they lost that first game to the Lions, okay? And since then, they've figured it out. No team in the NFL, for better or worse, injuries to so-and-so, so-and-so, receiving course sucks, blah, blah, blah. They wake up in the morning, and they find a way to win a football game, no matter what. You blow a 17-0 lead on Sunday Night Football to the New York Jets with with Tay-Tay in the stands, doesn't matter. We're going to find a way to win a football game. That's what Patrick Mahomes does. Oh, Patrick Mahomes had the worst game of his pro career. 
three picks. The ball was slippery or something. The two of the picks just were terrible looking, like something you just don't see from Patrick Mahomes very often. They still find a way. No matter what, the Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions, they deserve the respect of being in the top five. Some of the four teams I have ahead of them have been a little bit prettier so far this season, but the Chiefs are the biggest threat in the NFL right now. And I only have them at five, which is scary because they absolutely could be won by the end of this season. Um, the Chiefs, man, they're everybody's nightmare. Yeah, they are, for sure. Number five, I have the Miami Dolphins. I had them two or three a couple weeks ago, but I had to drop them to five because you, even when you're playing the Bills or the Chiefs or whoever you play, you just can't get blown out that bad. You can't lose 48 to 20, right? And I, They're still a very good team, which is why they're still top five in my eyes. But come playoffs, come clutch games, you're going to be playing those teams. and you just, you just can't get blown out. If you lose a close game here and there, I understand. But for me, that's why I had to drop the Dolphins. Tua still looks great. Um, he's just got to stay out of concussion protocol, which he has so far. He's got that new helmet to protect him, too. Everything's going good with the Dolphins. I firmly think they stay in the top five the next time we do this list, but we'll have to see. Two weeks is a, a lot of time in between, so we'll see. Number four, I got the Kansas City Chiefs. They haven't looked good, and yet they're still 3-1. and one. Just like you say, they find ways to win. Patrick Mahomes doesn't look himself, you know, these games that he's he's winning, these tight games, previous years, he would have blown them out. You know, I don't know if defenses are getting better or whatnot, but he just doesn't look like himself. Um, but, yeah, I out of respect, having the Chiefs at four feels like the right thing to do because they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be a Super Bowl contender, and they'll probably end up with probably only three losses or something this year. And, I mean, you got to have them in the top five until – so you say otherwise, but I think the Chiefs at four is uh, is right where they should be compared to the teams above them. Absolutely. And at four, I have the Miami Dolphins. Um, I think they're one of the best teams in the league. I had them at one last week, and they dropped down to four after a loss. Um, they, they're still elite. They could still win the Super Bowl. They're, there's no doubt we're in Super Bowl territory now. They're complete on defense. They're complete on offense. They have a great quarterback with awesome receivers. Um, they lost to a team that has more experience and came out a little bit more ready to play here in the regular season. I think if they were to play again in the playoffs, I'm not saying the Bills wouldn't win, but I think it'd be much closer and they'd be a lot more ready to play with Miami. Um, I think with Waddle and Hill, that's probably the best one-two receiver punch in the NFL. I can't really think of a better one. I mean, that, that those are the guys. And Tua Tagovailoa, he is a good quarterback. There's no questioning it in my brain. That's one of the first games he's lost as a starter in a long time. Uh, going back to last season, you would have to pre-injury. Um, so, you know, good on the Dolphins. They had a tough loss. No team goes 17-0. and um, One of the teams they lost to already has a loss. And that is obviously my number three team, the Buffalo Beals. The Buffalo Bills are – they were six or seven in week one in my ranking. They have a great roster. Their defense is unreal. I don't like having a defensive-minded head coach, but since that loss, defensive-minded head coach has allowed this – helped this Jaguar – or this Bills team to score a crap ton of points. They've been dominant in every game they played since then. Um, they All their games, they're really hardly on red zone, except for replays of the touchdowns they score. 
because of the fact that none of the games have necessarily been close. I'm excited to see. And again, this is a weakness of the Bills, too. Why don't they win close games? They either blow out the team or lose a close game. They never really get blown out, which is also good. But I need to see the Bills play a game against the Chiefs or against the Dolphins where it's close. And Josh Allen needs to not throw a pick in the fourth quarter. That's what I want to see from the Bills. That's what will make me believe they can win the Super Bowl. Um, I, I do think they can win the Super Bowl. But I, I would I would feel more validated if I saw something like that from the team going forward. And there will be plenty of opportunities this season. Not every game ends 41 to 20. That just, I mean, that's just not how it goes. So. Mm-hmm. On to you. My number three is the Philadelphia Eagles. They're 4-0. They've looked great. Jalen Hurts looks great. Picked up right where he left off from last year. Um, I think they've been giving up more points than they would have hoped for through their first four games, Um, which, I mean, doesn't really matter if you could just outscore your opponents like they have. But nonetheless, they're 4-0. They look good. Um, Jalen Hurts, like I said, top quarterback in the NFL. Uh, there's really not much to say. They don't have many flaws right now, but yeah, they're three for me. Number two is the Buffalo Bills. They look ever since their loss, they look like a freight train with no brake line. They just keep going. Um, I, I love what I've seen from them. They truly are the most improved team since the start of week one. If we were doing a power ranking on that, I think they'd be number one, but Buffalo Bills are dangerous. I think everybody in the AFC, AFC should fear them. I really do. Um, I think they have the capability of beating any team. Um, and I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. So I gave them the respect of number two. I don't remember where they were on my first list. Um, I don't think they were top five, but now they're in the top two. So there you go. There you go. And with that, my number two is the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, the defending NFC champions are on a roll. They're a little slow to start, but still three and one. Mm-hmm. Or no, 4-0. 4-0. I meant to say that they haven't looked great in all their games, but they found ways to win. Uh, This last game they played was their best game of the season so far, and now I really think the tide will turn, and now the Eagles are fully ready to go try and get back to the Super Bowl. The way Hurts found A.J. Brown this weekend, I had A.J. Brown in one of my leagues, just absolutely unbelievable. Um, He he cooks, and that team is great. I'm excited to see – um where things go from here for them but um they're just they're so good and they have everything they need the coach the defense um obviously with brown and jalen hurts is probably a top five quarterback at this point you know the eagles are going to be a threat all season long and the only thing i think that can the only team i think that can dethrone them in the uh, playoffs is the team that both of us have here at number one Let's just have a nice conversation about the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, that's my number one. They haven't lost. They've scored 30-plus points in each game so far. They've looked dominant. Their defense is one of the best in the NFL, might be the best defense in the NFL. Um, they just they don't look like they could be beaten right now, um, and that's saying a lot. And I think they're going to be on our number one list for a very long time, maybe the whole season. Um, unless something drastic happens, but we shall see. I don't really know the teams they play on their schedule. I don't know if you could fill me in on some tougher games they have. Like, I don't know if they – they probably don't play the Bills this year. 
Um, well, they're going to have they have a first place schedule because of the fact that they I'd came love in first to see place them play last year. So the 49ers have the Cowboys this week, then the Bronze, then the Vikings, then the Bengals, then the Jaguars, then the Buccaneers, then the Seahawks, Eagles, Seahawks again, Cardinals, Ravens, Commanders, Rams. I mean, this team could go 15 and 2. I'm excited to see what they do against the Eagles. In the regular season, yeah. Yeah. They That'll could go 15 and 2. They might. 14 and 3. I really, I mean, the Ravens will give them a hard game. You think they go undefeated or no? No. I don't think any team. Eventually it'll happen in our lifetime. I don't, I don't think so. Really? You don't think so? You know why I don't think so? We're already down to two by week five. (laughs) You know what I mean? Back in the day, like when we would have like six or seven still at week five, but the NFL doesn't want it to happen. I don't think. And that's why all these teams play each other early in the season. And you play a first place. That's another thing. You play a first place schedule if you're the first place team. Normally, normally, if you're a team that has aspirations of going undefeated, um, you didn't suck the year before. Mm-hmm. So you have a either a first or second place schedule, which is never easy. You know, the 49ers are playing all the teams that came in first last year, which in the NFC that that is a little bit of advantage this year because that means you got the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got the Buccaneers, both teams who took step backs in terms of their roster this year from last year. Um, oh, and then the Eagles. So, like, that's a hard game, but I think San Francisco could beat them. Brock mm-hmm. Purdy and Christian McCaffrey still haven't lost a game in 49ers uniforms. There you go. So that's what, another reason they're number one. I mean, it's kind of like the Bears being number 32. You lose 14 straight, you're the worst. You win well, 14 straight. Do you count the one that he got injured in? No. Start and finish. Start and play more than five plays. Gotcha. So, however you want to word it, the 49ers are on a nice streak right now, especially in the regular season. So, they're my number one team. They're going to be our number ones for a while, I think. I think so, too. But we'll see. You never know what happens from week to week. Yeah, if they get a marginal victory over the – who did I say they played? If they this lose to the Cowboys, Cowboys, that's tough. No, I know, but the Cowboys are good, dude. I know you think they they don't stink. They're they're I, one I didn't of the, say they stink. I they have know. a they have a top five chance to beat the Cowboys of any team on their rest of their schedule. If Absolutely. they if they lose to the Cowboys though by like more than a touchdown, like a decent score. And the Bills beat the Jags, like blow them out. I might have the Bills at one. I would too. But, but the Eagles, the Eagles are in the mix for one for me too, though. Those three are firmly in the mix, yeah. and and guess what? The Dol- if the Dolphins freaking drop seventy again this week, <laughs> I'm not going to let one game against the Bills yeah. skew my thought on the Dolphins either. No, I at agree. all. I agree. So I'm I'm drinking the Bills Kool Aid too lately, but I also have to keep my head steady and realize, you know, not to overreact too much in this league. We thought the Dolphins were all world. You know, last time. And I still kind of think that. Their roster is unreal. Mm-hmm. Good offensive line, man. You know, they, they went out there and they did what they had to do to protect Tua. They got him the best wide receiver duo in the league. They, they run the ball well. You know, I, I just – I like what the Dolphins are doing. All three Florida teams in our top ten for both of us. Or, no, you left the Jags out. Yeah. And, no, and the Bucs. You only yeah. have one Florida team. I have all three in the top ten, which is interesting. But – 
We shall see how this season goes. Frank, we spent 48 minutes talking about football. Now it's time to talk about, you know, we're time to get into the nitty gritty, considering this is the last week before the NHL season starts, the last show. Um, Connor Bedard will have made his NHL debut by the time we speak on these airwaves again. So we will preview the Metropolitan Division in period number two. All right, Frank, let's just get right into it. We are going to preview the Metropolitan Division. Obviously, very exciting stuff. Um, Let's start with, and for those of you who haven't watched the other previews that we've done, we go over the top players, issues, and strengths of every team. Then we'll pick a winner, the worst team in the division, a sleeper in the division, a hot take about the division. We're going all in on the Metropolitan Division, starting now with the Philadelphia Flyers. Okay. Um, Give me one sec. You want me to start? Yep. So some of the guys you think of when you think of the Philadelphia Flyers, right? You got Travis Konecki, Kevin Hayes, Sean Couturier will be making a return this season. Um, but despite the players that we name, the Flyers are going to be one of the worst teams in the league and will be in the Max Celebrini sweepstakes. The Flyers had 75 points last year, and they may very well end up being worse this year than they were last year. The roster does not look good. The strengths that they have is, you know, Danny Briere is doing a the right thing by moving out veterans, getting draft picks in return. They got Matt Vay Mitchkoff. They're clearly rebuilding. Um, you know, and in Mitchkov could arguably be the second best player to come out of this past year's draft. We'll see when he comes to the NHL in a few years. Um, I like Danny Breer as the GM of the Flyers. I like that Keith Jones is the president of hockey ops for the Flyers. They are slowly, and I mean slowly, rebuilding. But, you know, give them five to six years, and they'll be in primetime Mitchkov era, and things will be a lot different then. But I, I really like what they're doing with the management. Um, they just they got a long ways to go, maybe more than any other team right now. But their weaknesses are until they reach the Mitchkov era, things aren't going to look good. Things are going to look very grim. They won't be able to attract talent to come play in Philadelphia. And even if they could, they probably wouldn't because they don't. They want to help. They want their best chance of rebuilding. They don't want to bring in too many veterans. Um, few here and there, obviously, to help the young guys develop. But their defense is also very bad. They lost Tony D'Angelo and Ivan Provorov. Um, that is two of their top defenders. Plus, we talk about the Flyers rebuilding and slowly getting better, but we haven't reached the point of seeing their true prospects bloom. We aren't at that stage yet. And, you know, for that reason, the Flyers are going to be awful. And for that reason, I'm out. Um, <laughs> I wholeheartedly think they are the worst team in the division. Um, it's just it's, – it's one of those things. It's like it's good for them mm-hmm. because they've always been middling. They always have pick – you know, this year they were up to seven, which was high for them. They're always, it seems like, 10 to 20. And those mm-hmm. teams don't win the Stanley Cup, but they're not bad enough to become good enough to win the Stanley Cup. The Flyers have always hung around in the middle. There were a couple years there. Like when I was in high school, the Flyers were a powerhouse. They were a threat to win the Stanley Cup. It was them, Pittsburgh, New Jersey, and the New York Rangers and the Bruins. And then as Ovechkin and the Capitals started to rise up a little bit, the Devils started to fall out. Um, so did the Flyers. And basically not hitting on Nolan Patrick, I think really kept them from taking the next step in the final years of Simmons, in the final year of 
uh, years of Claude Giroux and Jakub Voracek and, you know, Braden Shen, all the guys that they had on that team when they were really, really good in the mid-2010s. And not getting Nolan Patrick to succeed was something that kept them from advancing past that with a new franchise leader. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sad, but it is what it is. Philly will be on the rise soon enough. I like their prospect pool with mm-hmm. Matt Bay Mitchkov leading the way. Um, he got loaned to a different KHL team, and he's been lighting it up since that. And I don't know why Scott doesn't want him. I have no idea. Um, he's amazing, and he, he showed it by going to this other team and dominating. Um, but when he gets to Philly, eventually they'll be ready to win. I, I do think Max Celebrini should be at least pricing outhouses in Philly because they're going to be uh, in the mix for him for sure. Yeah, for sure. And we will move on. We'll go. We were in West Philadelphia, born and raised. Or no, we were. that's technically Eastern Pennsylvania, though. So now we're going to go to West Pennsylvania, born and raised. I'm changing up the lyrics to accommodate my hockey talking, and we're going to hit the Pittsburgh Penguins. Frank, the Pittsburgh Penguins have been one of the best teams in the NHL overall since 2009 when Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Christopher Letang started to take over that team and make them a powerhouse in the NHL. But over the last year, year and a half, they've kind of slid off a little bit after having a 3-1 series lead over the New York Rangers in 2022. They failed to reach the playoffs at all in 2023. Coming into this season, they have made additions like Noel Achari, um, Matt Nieto, and Eric Carlson, who won the Norris Trophy as the league's best defenseman. What's your takeaway from the Pittsburgh Penguins with all these bullet points? Well, um, this team's getting a little bit older, right? But it's still got some very talented players on their roster. Obviously, the window for winning a Stanley Cup again is closing, and it's closing fast. I mean, that's why GM Kyle Dubas went out and acquired Eric Carlson. Um, another player they acquired that you didn't mention, they also got Riley Smith which will help out and provide an extra 20 to 25 goals this season. Stanley Cup champion add into this uh, mix here. I mean, at this point, it's it's clear and obvious that the Penguins are doing everything in their power to get one more Stanley Cup from their great core. Um, and that's some of their, the, some of their strengths is they upgraded their defense with Carlson and Graves, Ryan Graves. Um, they have the offense to outscore opponents on any given night. They have... Uh, Kyle Dubas, who is known for making big moves, and he did just that during this offseason. I mean, if you're a Penguins fan, I totally get why you're excited about this upcoming year. Um, What isn't there to be excited about? Um, You're a team that's respected. You've been respected for many years based on your recent success, Um, and everyone loves to watch them every night. And part of the reason they're going to open up against Bedard next Tuesday on uh, national TV because they're exciting to watch, a lot to look forward to. However, their weaknesses – they're big weaknesses, and that is that they're older and they're the, one of the slowest teams in the NHL and probably one of the oldest teams in the NHL. The oldest. Are they? Well, there you go. They're, one, they're the oldest and one of the slowest teams in the NHL. Um, and you don't hear the news of the Pittsburgh Penguins adding any big prospects because they're always in the playoffs they, and they always have a higher draft pick, right? And they don't make trades for better draft picks because they're always in the playoffs. So in short notice – they're going to be rebuilding once Crosby and Malkin are out of there and their era is over. I just don't see them reaching expectations as everyone expects them to reach this season. Um, the NHL in 2023 is a lot more focused on speed. I mean, if you look at the best teams in the NHL, they're all faster. 
And the Penguins, like you said, are 32 out of 32 in terms of how old they are. And they might, and who knows? I mean, I don't know if you could calculate speed. I don't know if that's physically possible, but they might be 32 out of 32 in terms of speed as well because of how old their guys are. Um, I would have loved to see one or two acquisitions this offseason that had to do with speed instead of a little experience like Carlson and um, Riley Smith. Riley Smith's not, he's, he's younger, but he's not overly fast. Um, but instead, they went out and get Nendelkovich, who is subpar, backup goalie. I mean, I think there's there's more they could have done this offseason. But, I mean, only time will tell, and a lot of people are high up on them. They made some interesting moves. Yeah, they are old, and they're not the fastest. I do think whoever's the second oldest team, their older players aren't Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, who had great years last year, especially Sid. Um, I mean, Gino was really freaking good too. And we did our fantasy hockey draft last night. Yahoo's artificial intelligence surely thinks Crosby and Malkin are going to have great years this year um, for being in the middle of their thirties. Um, I never am here to dog a team that has Sidney Crosby on it as captain because he's going to, he was out there yucking it up last season with people, you know, trying to, you know, spark his team. And now they got guys like Nieto and Achari, that I do think are going to do that for him instead. And I do think that changes them. Jari needs to stay healthy. Jari's a good goalie. People probably don't realize how good he actually is. Go look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. He was an all-star. Jari's awesome. And I remember when they had Flurry, Murray, DeSmith, and Jari all in the system like four years ago, and they let Flurry go to Seattle or to Vegas, and they were like, okay, Murray's going to start. But this Jari kid, he's third in line, but he's actually got the highest ceiling of them all. You're seeing why now. Murray's out of the league. DeSmith was traded twice this offseason. He's with the Canucks now after being with the Habs for, you know, half a summer, which I feel bad for their family. Diehard Hab fans. (laughs) Casey DeSmith's father threw a party when he was traded to the Habs. (laughs) Traded to the Canucks a year later without playing <laughs> or a month later without playing a single game for the Habs. Unreal funny story. Yeah, um, but I, I I like the Penguins. I don't love them. They're not in the top three of the division for me, but I do think they're going to live and die with their power play. They need to be top five, I think, and I think they will because you're going to run on the top pair, on the top unit, Sid, Gino. When Jake Gensel's healthy, he'll be in the bumper position. They'll probably put a big body in front of the net, whoever that might be. Um, It wouldn't shock me if it's Ricard Raquel and then Eric Carlson at the point. But I think to start the year while Gensel's out, and I read this on Yahoo last night, the plan right now is for Latang to be on the half wall on power play one. And you'll have, they'll be the only team in the league with 2D on the power play. And I think that they're the only team that will be smart to have 2D mm-hmm. on the top power play unit. Um, they're going to score a ton of goals. They're going to be entertaining. Hey, you find out Pittsburgh's on the power play while flipping through the channels. Hey, let's get the Pittsburgh Penguins on real quick. You know, let's see what Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, two of the – they're the two best players since 2005. Now, I would put Mick David. But Crosby and Malkin are – they're the two guys, them two and Ovechkin and McDavid. And then I would probably put Patrick Kane for it. Then you start getting into the Jeruz and the Stamkoses and all that. Um, Freaking those two are unreal. They have experience. I don't necessarily think they're going to win the cup or anything like that, but I do think they will be exciting to watch and have a chance to win games as long as Jari stays healthy. And here's another thing. 
part of winning in American sports is taking care of business in your own division because then those teams aren't getting points while you are. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have a regulation win last season over the Devils, Hurricanes, or Islanders. Wow. That has to change for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Absolutely. I hope it does it for one of those three teams. But they, the Pittsburgh Penguins have to start winning some games against the teams in their division. And it can't just be the Flyers, right? Or you dummying up the bottom teams in the Atlantic division. You need to take care of the business in your division a little bit. I think the Penguins kind of will a little bit this year. I do think they lose opening night to the hype of Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks. But I think from that point on, the Penguins might legitimately have 40 more points in the standings than the Blackhawks. I think Mm -hmm. that's possible. 40 is a lot. 30, though, at least. And But, yeah, Pittsburgh Penguins, man. They've, They've got a couple years left, one or two, maybe three at the most. I They have my respect, though, Frank. I'm not Some, buying into it. I just can't. That's fine. No, that's totally about missing the play, whatever. But you have to respect not throwing in the towel quite yet. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The Blackhawks and the Kings, they were so dumb. The Kings, it worked out in the end. They retooled on the fly. But, like, the way these teams that used to be the top teams just fell off without even really, like, trying at all, like – you knew they were all going to fall off eventually. Pittsburgh is going to suck in short order, but they're not going down without a fight. The Ducks, they went down without a fight. The Blackhawks went down without a fight, at least a smart fight, giving <laughs> Seth Jones $9 million at 28 years old for seven years isn't necessarily you putting up a smart fight. Um, you know what I mean? Like the Penguins, they, they, they tried. Kind of like what we said about the Flames. Matthew Kachuk's the best player in the deal, but he was leaving anyway, so you might as well try and get Huberto and Uyghur. Like, you know, the Penguins have my respect. So Yeah, for sure. We will move on to another team that has been very good over most of our hockey-watching life. Went through a little bit of a retool a couple years ago. They had the first overall pick in the 2020 NHL draft and the second overall pick in the 2019 NHL draft. Of course, we're talking about the New York Rangers. Frank? What do you think of the New York Rangers with their top players, the issues, the strengths, and whatnot? Um, well, Artemi Panarin and Mika Zabinijad, um, very good last year. They both had 92 points, 91 points respectively. Um, Adam Fox was a stud. Top, stud. Def- top offensive defenseman. Chef's kiss defenseman. I mean, he, he plays great defense, and he's a great offensive defenseman on top of that. He scored 12 goals, 60 assists. I mean, there's not much more you could ask out of a top defenseman like that, right? Because no, not everybody's Kale McCarr, but Adam Fox, chef's kiss, I agree. The Rangers will look to build off their 107-point season last year and their first-round loss to the New Jersey Devils. Um, the strengths, they got Igor Shosturkin, who even in a down year, like we say he had a down year in terms of his standards, he still compiled the 248 goals against and a 918 save percentage, and that's considered a down year. For Igor you go to the Hall of Fame with those as career numbers exactly. over a thousand games played. His numbers got even better though when the postseason came around. In the postseason, he had a 196 goals against and a 931 save percentage, which that save percentage is unreal. So um, especially to lose. And they still lost to the Devils. So the Rangers, another thing what I like about this team is they don't give a lot up a lot of shots per game, which is crucial. And that helps out Shesterkin even better because he's one of the best goalies in the league. You don't let up a lot of shots. It makes your job as the best goalie or one of the best even easier because you have less shots to stop. 
I mean, this core is also going to see Blake Wheeler join the lineup. That'll help a little bit more. I mean, this Rangers team is going to be a contender for the Metro once again. Now, their weaknesses is the depth that the Rangers have gotten over the years has yet really yet to show up and live up to expectations. Capo Caco hasn't, he's been forgetful. Alexis Lafreniere, forgetful. I mean, they've been very underwhelming. I mean, they're both right around 40 point mark last season. One at 40, one at 39. I don't remember who, which was which, but where they were drafted, that's not very good. That's not what the Rangers were expecting out of these guys. I mean, in the eyes of their potential, they haven't even slightly lived up to the hype. The Rangers have been a good team without these prospects. Imagine if these prospects exceeded expectations, what the Rangers would be able to look like, what they would, what they would be. Would they be this powerhouse? I mean, if they develop these guys in the right way or in a positive way, the Rangers would be deadly. And they're still a very good team. I'm with you. I think the fact that they their depth fails them, the kid line, like with Hedel, Kako, and Lafreniere, Hedel was the best one. He yeah. was the seventh overall pick a year. Then Kako and Lafreniere, they've been disappointing. And I'm like, that, that's kind of an understatement. Lafreniere, he's not quite Neil Yakupov because I think Lafreniere is a third-line player in the NHL at minimum. Yakupov was out of the league, you know, after I think he went to the Blues for half a season. But for the most part, Lafreniere, Kako, I'm just not drinking the tea. And, you know, Panarin and Zabanajad and Kreider, they're outstanding. Mm -hmm. They're also in their mid-30s. So, like, how much longer? Shesterkin and Fox are going to be two key pieces for the Rangers for years to come. Um, the only way those two don't stick around for a very long time is if what happened to the Flyers kind of happens to the Rangers, where like Giroux gets a little bit older and moves on. Voracek gets a little bit older and moves on. Simmons gets a little bit older and moves on. Then they still have these players like Konechny and Carter Hart left behind, and those guys might be traded at some point this season for the Flyers. If that happened to the Rangers in five years, I wouldn't be all that surprised. But as of right now, they have that 1D and 1 goalie that can help lead them to like championship-level status. I just don't love the team around them. When's the last time LaViolette did anything of note Like where you were like, holy crap, this team? It was Nashville in 2017. And, like, that team was just stacked on defense, good forwards. Pekka Rinne was uh, all-world Hall of Fame caliber goalie. Um, we'll see what happens with this Rangers team with LaViolette coming in. But, you know, I think they're a good team. I just I, – I don't necessarily see them as the cream of the crop in the division like some people did. Mm -hmm. I see that. I understand. Um, but, hey, I'm excited to watch Zabanajad on the power play. Um, and no Tarasenko or Kane for them either, which is obviously something they paid a little extra for last year, and it ended up not being the case. But, I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, there's another team in New York, Frank. Mm -hmm. This New York team did sneak into the playoffs last year, and they put up a decent fight against the Carolina Hurricanes in the first round of the playoffs. Of course, I'm talking about the New York Islanders. Um, I'll lead off with the Islanders a little bit just because I just watched them play the Devils. 
Um, when I think of the top players on the team, I do think of Matt Barzal first and foremost. He is one of the most dynamic electric forwards in the NHL. He kind of reminds me of Eastern Conference Zegris, where he's super flashy. People want to watch him play. He could score these highlight reel goals, but he never really eclipsed like the superstar status in terms of production. Um, you know, great player, outstanding electric factory to watch, but can he lead a team to a Stanley cup? I think there needs to be more around him. Obviously you got guys like Brock Nelson and Anders Lee, and they have a top three goalie in the NHL with Ilya Sorokin. Um, they traded Devin Taves for two second round picks. Those two second round picks better become hall of famers. <laughs> Devin Taves is one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Um, Freaking Tim took him from me. I was about to pick him one pick later. Um, but yeah, the New York Islanders, man, they're a good team. I'm not sure they're a great team. Yeah, you know, the Islanders made it into postseason last year by the skin of their nuts. And then this year, they decided... Like the edge of the skin. Like yeah, maybe like, like the right there. You're right yeah. there. Like. And then this year, they decided not to make a big move and try to improve on that, you know? And Lou Lamorello didn't go out and make a big move to support Sorokin either or something on the offense, right? Now, listen. They're going to have a full year of Bo Horvat, and they also have one of the best goalies in the NHL in Ilya Sorokin, right? But the, you need to start building around these pieces instead of just playing with what you have because making it by the skin of your nuts and running it back, I don't know if that's the best thing to do, but let them, those are their strengths. But their weaknesses and the things that I find most wrong with the Islanders is they have trouble scoring, Right. They scored 242 goals last year, which was the third fewest goals in the Metro. You would think that because of that, because I know I'm not the only one aware of that, and I know Lou, Lam Lou Lamorello's aware of that because he's the GM, you would, you would think that he would have gone out and fixed that problem. Now, maybe in his head, a full year of healthy Bo Horvat will fix that problem, and they don't need to make any additional moves. But... I don't know. I still would have added one more piece. Um, you know, at this point, the system that they are running in the aisle is getting stale to me. And teams around them are only getting better. It's almost as if they're being left behind in an evolving division. Yeah, they're not getting worse. Everyone no. else around them is getting better. Yeah, they're being left behind. And I, yeah, you that's perfect way you word it. Um, if they... Don't make any major moves sooner rather than later, though. The Islanders are going to be a forgotten team in the Metro in short order because, like you said, everybody's getting better right around them. I'm curious to know if you agree or disagree with me on this. I think trading for Bo Horvat was a major mistake. I think the Vancouver Canucks pulled in a haul for Bo Horvat, and the Islanders, they were in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, back-to-back -back years. They were a goal away from being in the Stanley Cup Final um, for two straight years. And then all of the sudden, they are like this medium team after being that good. And sometimes when you get that close and you don't win, it sucks. It's hard to swallow. It's a tough pill to swallow. Like we've seen it with teams – like the San Jose Sharks or the Nashville Predators, you get so close, but only one team can win. That was the Islanders. They were the second best team in the East for four straight seasons and lost in the conference final a couple times in game seven 
One of them in overtime, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lightning ended up winning the Stanley Cup. That could have been the Islanders. That could have been the Islanders. It's time to rebuild. You didn't fail. I, I refuse to say you failed. Only one team wins the Cup every year. There's not 31 failures every year. That's not how I see it. Maybe that's, you know, that's, how, that's definitely how they look at it in, like, other countries. For some reason in the U.S. and Canada, you either win the ship or you're a failure. I don't see it that way. If you win your division or if you're a perennial and, like, you came up just short, mm-hmm. you could be proud of the – if you're an Islanders fan, you had more fun in the last seven years than every than 29 other fan bases. The only ones who had more fun than you in the last five years are the Lightning fans, the Avalanche fans, the Golden Knight fans, maybe Panther fans, right? A President's Trophy and a Cup appearance might outweigh – two conference final losses, but they have been a great team. It's time to rebuild. I thought trading for Bo Horvat was a mistake. Yeah. And, giving, and giving them an eight-year deal. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't mind it. I don't know if I'd call it a mistake, but you need to do more than just get Bo Horvat. You just can't run it back with the team you have and expect to make the postseason when you almost didn't last year. I like. I do think a healthy Bo Horvat for the whole year will help him a lot. Is it going to help him enough to secure a playoff spot? You know, safely where you don't have to be grinding to the bitter end. Probably not. That's why I think Lou Lamorello made some mistakes by not addressing those issues this off season. I mean, they just don't score a lot. Barzell's not the he's not the producer he was years ago. He's kind of faltered a little bit. I mean, they they got a lot of scoring issues here. They might be the 32nd ranked farm system, too. Oh, it's yeah. close. It's close between them, the Bruins, the Lightning, and the Penguins. That's tough. And I've seen some good play from some of these young Bruins. People that like Beecher and this, I, the other kid, I freaking just did a piece on him shitting on um, Evgeny Kuznetsov. Like, I, I just don't see that from the Islanders. And that's another reason you gave up some of these young, you made your terrible farm system worse to go get a guy that's not going to help you win towards yeah. the end of your competitive window. It's like, I'm sorry you didn't win the cup. You came close, but your farm system sucks. You kind of suck. And <laughs> you gave up all these prospects and draft picks for Bo Horvat, who's a great player. He's going to have a really good year. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he scored 30 goals again and had 35 assists. You know, really good player. Captain material. Yeah. It's just a, it. they're bland. Yeah, they a, are bland. They're a vanilla hockey team. The, they play the Devils hard AF. Last year, no team gave the Devils more trouble out of them. Oh, the Bruins. Uh, but in the regular season, two and two against the Hurricanes. The Devils were out of gas and Jack Hughes was injured in the playoffs against them. And I still think this year, if they beat the Rangers in the first round again, they have to find a way to not get too high on that. Because there was a major, like letdown against mm-hmm. the Hurricanes. That's something that experience will help them with. But um, as far as the Islanders, other than giving a couple teams hell, eh, eh, vanilla. I agree. They're vanilla. They're plain. Vanilla it's bean. Much, it's not much to get excited about for the Islanders because no, it's and they're not like up here. They're not like Dylan Larkin. They're not the Portillos of hockey teams either. They're not <laughs> like, the second best at who, anything. Who would you compare them at? Like they're, they're, they're probably like Arby's. 
I like, like that. Yeah, but not a lot of people do. And you would think based on the commercials and the advertise that Arby's is like this monster fast food chain. It's up there with the big dogs. It's up there with McDonald's, the Devils, uh, Burger King, the Hurricanes, Taco Bell, the Rangers. No, it's little old Arby's. Only Frankie <laughs> likes Arby's. Like, like Islanders fans are like you to Arby's, like that one weirdo that likes Arby's. <laughs> You know, you ask Joey or Dylan where do Arby's rank on their top 20 fast food places, and they'll tell you it ranks 50th out of 20. Frankie, he's like, no, actually, I, I love me a roast beef, cheesy oh roast God. beef so from good. Arby's. Oh, my goodness. The best thing Arby's made in their last freaking 10 years was the wings they had for a short stint there. Those were good. Those were good, Frank. I think they still have them. They might. Oh, I'd love to eat those I with you, soon. Football and wings from Arby's very soon. I'm making that happen. Okay. But, Frank, we're going to dive into a team that has your favorite player in the NHL on it. The player who is just about 60-something goals away from becoming the NHL's all-time leading goal scorer. The Washington Capitals. Frank, the Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup in 2018 thanks to greatness from superstars like Alexander Ovechkin, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Nicholas Backstrom, Braden Holtby, TJ Oshie, John Carlson, Tom Wilson. Most of these guys are still there with the Washington Capitals. Most of them really outside of Ovechkin. None of them are the player that they were back in 2018. But... They are still the Washington Capitals. Carlson hardly played last year. Backstrom hardly played last year. Those were issues last year that could become strengths this year. What do you think of the Washington Capitals? Well, they had a very poor showing on offense last year. Only Ovechkin and Dylan Strome had 20 or more goals, and there were only three players on the team who had 50 or more points. Everyone else, the billion other players they had, 38 points or less. This is not what we're used to seeing out of the Washington Capitals. And because of that, the Capitals missed the postseason by quite a large margin, like 12 points. But, you know, their strength, their strengths, they brought in Spencer Car- Carberry. He ran the Toronto Maple Leafs power play the past few seasons. was great at that. They also have a full season of Rasmus Sandin on their team. He was sensational after being acquired from the Toronto Maple Leafs um, at the deadline. He had... Three goals, 12 assists in 19 games with them, with the Capitals. Um, Sandine should play next to Carlson on the top-line pairing, and that is great top-line defensive pairing for the Capitals. That's something to look forward to. On the other hand, they didn't go – they didn't do enough in the offseason to address their terrible offensive showing. It's almost like Lou Lamorello and the New York Islanders. They didn't do anything to fix their offensive scoring problems. They acquired Max Pacioretty um, this offseason, but that's not going to make up for 12 points in the standings that they miss. Their best center, Evgeny Kuznetsov, also doesn't seem like he wants to be with the team anymore. Did you read the um, article that VP wrote? Well, the video? I, I, I wrote an article called oh, – hold on. It's called – wait, this is you're going to think this is funny. It's called – Capitals news. This video makes Evgeny Kuznetsov look bad. (laughs) Just, I roasted him. Uh, 400 words roasting Evgeny Kuznetsov. I mean, what the 
fuck. He doesn't want to be there. No, he doesn't. He doesn't want to be there. And there's trade buzz around him, wanting to be traded, all that. Just seems like the Capitals are not the powerhouse they once was. They they don't really have offense anymore. They're hoping Ovechkin breaks the goal record. That's the only thing Capitals fans have to look forward to. And you know my take on that. I still don't think he is going to get it. And if that doesn't happen, then there's nothing to look forward to in the Capitals organization. Well, they got the cup. In the Ovechkin era, they got the cup in the Ovechkin era. Congratulations. I'd be thrilled with that. I would. I I hope the Nico. And I didn't even want him to win it that year either. Oh, I wanted I Vegas to win. Oh, I wanted him to win so bad. And I felt bad that I was rooting against Vegas back then because I wanted Ovechkin to get the cup so bad that I hardcore rooted for them this year to make up for it. But I'll <laughs> tell you what, Frank. Capitals goal scored by number eight, Alex Ovechkin. He's going to, if he breaks it, he's going to break it against the Hawks because that's just the way. He has 822 career goals. He will score 40 this year, probably 40 on the dot. If he scores 40 this year, he will be at 862, meaning he needs 32 more goals to break the record of the great one. He has four years left on his contract, including this year. He could go 20, 20, 20, 20. He could go 40. He could go 40, 32, broken record. He could go, let's say he scores 50 this year. Man, don't tell me that there's just 0% chance. It's not a high percent chance. I would give it like a 15, 20% chance that Ovechkin gets to 50. He's an older player. You know, only like three or four guys score 50 a year, if any. Um, there were a lot of years where Ovechkin was the only one who scored 50 until Matthews and McDavid came along. This brother is breaking Wayne Gretzky, if healthy. He is breaking Gretzky's goal record in about March of 2025. I, I, I'm more confident in that than I'm confident that I'm going to eat dinner tonight. <laughs> I, like, like, you have no idea how I've been calling this since I was in high school. Our uncle Fred has a sheet that I wrote in his den that I wrote out predicting each year. Now COVID fucked it up a little bit. I'm like 20 goals off pace because of COVID. And the fact that I'm that close after taking 12 months off of hockey is unbelievable. This brother is the greatest goal scorer who ever lived. I believe it. I'm all in on him. He'll have 20 goals by Christmas. He'll get another 20 from Christmas to the end of the year. And then, and listen, the, I think the Capitals are horrible. I think they're the third worst team in the division, and they know that too. And they're here to tell you, to imitate my friend Stephen A. Smith, they're here to tell you, we don't care. We don't care. <laughs> we just want this brother to break Gretzky's goal record. We got the cup. We got Ovechkin 60-something goals away. We are one of the prominent NHL franchises, and it is because of the great eight we are going to be, even through a rebuild, we are going to be a prominent franchise in the NHL, and it is all because of that man, Alexander the Great. And, man, am I excited to watch the Washington game. They're the only – them and the Hawks are the only bad teams I cannot wait 
So oh, the Capitals are going on the power play. Here's VP. Here he comes running down the hallway to catch this Ovechkin <laughs> goal that he's about to score. Oh, baby. He could go 35 and 35 record broken. How he might break it this year. I mean, okay. No, that's not going to happen. I mean, we're saying like if we're if making it was Mc- stories here. If it was McDavid who could who could break the record and like I think McDavid breaks a thousand points this year. He needs like 150 points. McDavid gets his thousandth point in April. And I'm think, freaking... You don't think Ovechkin can get 80 or however many he needs? It's not 80, dude. 72? What is it? It's 72? not 72. You said 40 this year and then he'd be down to 32. That's 72. Maybe it is. Eight, yeah, eight, 894 is the record. And he has 822. Yeah, he needs 72 more. There you yeah, go. No, I never said he was. I'm not unrealistic. And listen, I know you're. It was easy to go, yeah, there's listen. no way he gets it when he was at 780 two years ago. Like, yeah, that was easy to say. That was really now. I see the sweat dripping down there's your face. There's no sweat. There's sweat. Everybody because in the world. If he gets injured, why you like Arby's? Like, I'm taking in the into consideration he gets injured. He has four years. He comes back. He is going to be a thorn in your side until he oh, – oh, here comes Ovechkin on a one-year deal. He needs three goals. Dude <laughs> might have ten by Christmas. Okay. I still think he'll break the record because then I just think he plays until he does it. He <laughs> wants to break it. That is why I'm so adamant that he's going to. He okay. wants to break it. He knows he can be the NHL's all-time leading goal scorer. Why wouldn't you do what you can? There's a reason he's 38 years old and he signed to a four-year deal. Yager played until he was 100. Yager just retired from the European League this summer. What would you do if he got one away? And he's like, I just feel it's right that Gretzky holds a record. I refuse to play. I'd hate him I'm retiring. I would hate him forever i'd get a jersey probably at that point i'm sure it would make would. it would make me right it would make you right with a huge asterisk it doesn't matter there ain't no asterisk There's... i hope he gets 60 i hope he don't care about anything else <laughs> other than up oh, we're going on the power play full two minutes for alex up we're uh, down a goal uh, late they're gonna burn him out it's gonna end up alex, hurting him in the long run alex tie game see here's some, why something stupid here's why i don't think so with injury it's the way he plays. He doesn't put himself in danger. He stands there. When he plays two minutes on the power he play. Stand- yeah, it's two minutes of standing there. He's not exerting any more energy than I'm exerting right now getting mad at you. <laughs> Honestly, I'm probably exerting more energy right now than Ovechkin does on a power play. He stands there and waits for it. And I know it's been like pissing off like your dad for a long time. Like how doesn't anybody freaking guard Ovechkin? Well, another thing to remember is that Alexander Ovechkin also has 663 assists. So, yeah, go ahead. Leave TJ Oshie open down low, and Ovechkin will feed him a perfect pass and get his 700th assist, you know, in his career. He probably does get to 700 assists, I would assume, too, right? Uh, 663? Oh, yeah, he'll get 40 more assists in his career, probably way more than that. Um, Yeah, Ovechkin's one of the greatest players ever. Washington sucks. All they're going to care about is this man breaking the record. Every single goal. Here's 8.30. Oh, here was 8.34. Oh, we're at 8.50. Oh, here we go. 
you every goal he scores is going to be on Twitter. I'm tweeting every goal he scores. That every single well, you goal you won't have to tweet much. Every, yeah, right. Every <laughs> single goal that Ovechkin scores this season will be on Vinny Parisi's Twitter timeline. Fact. All right, we move on. <laughs> we move on to a team from one of my favorite states, Ohio. Ohio is an unreal state. We're going to talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Frank, I'll let you lead off in terms of talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, the Blue Jackets, they were really bad last year. Finished with 59 points, tied with the Blackhawks. Very disappointing season. Johnny Goudreau, even in a disappointing season, still had 21 goals and 53 assists for 74 points. He did all that on one of the worst teams in the NHL. I'll have a little more help this year, and the addition of Fantilli should brighten up this organization a little bit. But since they weren't expecting to get him in Columbus at number three, I mean, that's a, that's a big change right there. That's a big boost for them. I mean, the strengths are they're going to start the season healthy, right? They have Zach Wierenski back. They acquired uh, Ivan Provorov, Damon Severson this offseason. Um, that'll, def- that'll do wonders for their defensive core, their top four. Adam Fantilli's getting to compete with some of the players on this team for ice time, which will really make it a competitive scene in Columbus. A lot of these young guys are going to want to do well so they could see the ice more often. I think that's going to prove to help out a lot in the organization and on the ice. Um, and they're going to improve from 59 points last season. I think they're going to have one of the biggest turnarounds of any team from last year to this year. Um, the weaknesses that I found is – Will this team be able to move on from the Mike Babcock situation so quickly? Blue, uh, the Blue Jackets signed Pascal Vincent and replaced a bad cop, Babcock. Um, but how will this fare with the players in the system, right? The team spent the entire offseason creating a plan around Babcock. Now you're bringing in a guy who's, first of all, who's never coached an NHL team before. Um, with that, that's going to hurt them. Things could get a little spicy in Columbus, and this is exactly what the organization was worried about with everything going on in the organization. I'm also a little worried about Merzlikens. He had the worst year he could have ever have expected last year. Um, but then again, the Blue Jackets' defense sucked, and they kind of fixed that up a little bit this year. So we'll see what happens there. But um, it's going to be a very interesting year for the Blue Jackets, I think. And um, – I don't think they're going to be quite as bad as they were last year. I pretty much concur with everything you said. I don't think that this team is like horrible like they were last year. Um, a lot of injuries last year, like mm-hmm. a lot of injuries last year. And Johnny Hockey coming back, he knows the system. It's going to end up being an albatross contract by the time he's in his mid-30s, 9.7. The Devils dodged a bullet there. But – I mean, you have Goudreau with Line A. Jack Roslovic is there for another year. Boone Jenner, the captain, mm-hmm. signed for a cheap deal. I really like Adam Fantilli, right? Like, he's kind of real third. Player. They weren't expecting that. Yeah, they weren't expecting to get him. Um, Warensky will be back from injury. I do think that having uh, Warensky, Severson, Provorov, and Goodbranson as their top four is something that could really help them. I don't love their goaltending. I think it's amongst the worst in the league, and I think that keeps them from ultimately being a playoff team. But if Mersleekens finds a way to play well as he did in his rookie year, then maybe there's a chance that they're a bubble team, um, even if they're on outside-looking-in type bubble team. But Kirill Marchenko, good year last year, 23 yeah. years old. Um, 
you know, all these guys, it's a young team, but they still have some veterans like Corrali with Boone Jenner. And then, of course, I talked about Johnny Goudreau already. Their average age is 25 and a half. So that's not, you know, terrible at all. It's a young up and coming team. I love their prospect farm, you know, even if you not include Fantilli. Mm -hmm. um, like what's his name? Who's going to go to the University of Michigan again that they got in the second round last year? Gavin Brindley, like, and they have Juracek, who's probably, if I were to rank every prospect in the NHL right now, I might go Bedard, Fantilli. No, I would go Bedard, Luke Hughes, Fantilli, Juracek, I think, and then maybe Lo like Logan Cooley and Nemich are in the mix too, and then you would probably put Shane right near the top too. Like those are the guys. Um, Columbus has two of them. The, the, them and the Devils are the only team with two in the top ten of all NHL prospects. Um, so they'll be an up and coming team. I think they'll be respectable. Mm -hmm. um, go Ohio! It should be interesting season for them. I'm excited. Will Alex Ovechkin have more goals than any player on the Blue Jackets roster? Probably. Wow. So you think uh you think uh Columbus Blue Jackets roster is gonna go every player is only gonna have nineteen max. No, not necessarily. I don't know. Well, I was cracking a joke about you saying Ovechkin's getting twenty. Might, that's being gracious. Yeah, by Christmas. You might have 50 um, by the end. All of right, it. Frank. We're gonna go to your favorite team in the Metropolitan Division. Um we're gonna head on over to the Carolinas, north to be in fact. Um, the Carolina Hurricanes, they play in Raleigh. Obviously, they were swept in the Eastern Conference Finals last year by the Florida Panthers. We don't know if Spechnikov is going to be back to start the year, but he'll be back eventually, we mm -hmm. assume. Um, they have great players. I think Sebastian Ajo is unreal. Obviously, they have Martin Nietzsche, and they have three really good goaltenders with uh, Kochetkov, Ranta, and Fred Anderson. All three of them, I think, were drafted in fantasy last uh, last night, which is crazy. If not, one of them might have been left off. Coach Eckhoff might have been left off because nobody knows for sure if he's going to you know, make the team out of camp. But he'll play this year. Um, it is a really, really good team. They probably have the best defense in the NHL with guys like Brent Burns and Pesci and Brady Shea, um, Slavin. It's a good group. It's a really good group. There's no doubt. They, they don't have, in my opinion, and this is what – keeps them from winning our, you know, the conference finals and whatnot. They don't have that one superstar forward that you can just rely on to goal score a goal no matter what. Aho, great offensive player. Okay, Nietzsche, great offensive player. Svechnikov. Do they have a 100-point guy on their team, though? I'm not sure they do. That's their one weakness for me, but I named all the top players. I'll let you get to strengths and things you think about them as well. Well, you, you said Ajo, fantastic, fantastic. Martin Nietzsche, fantastic. Martin Nietzsche, he had a fantastic year. Um, Andre Svechnikov, he'll be back. He'll be he'll be good. He'll be ready to go eventually. Brent Burns was fantastic. The Carolina Hurricanes won the Metro last year by one point, and they are running it back this year with the same exact team, basically. I mean, no one ever really runs it back with the same exact team, but I think this is one of the deepest teams in the league. They have one of the best coaches in the NHL. Every year, Rod, Rod the Bod. Every year, Rod Brindamore has been behind the bench. Carolina Hurricanes have found themselves in the postseason. They we both the look the same with our shirts off. <laughs> he's he's a stud. They won um, the Metro the past two seasons. 
I also think they have some of the best defense in the entire NHL, like you said. They only gave up 213 goals last season, which was the second fewest in the NHL. They also have the offense to punish their opponents for not being able to score on them. Like, they might not have that elite player, but they're so deep that anybody could score a goal on any given night. They got Jack, uh, Jacob Slavin, Brent Burns, Skagey, Pesci, Tony D'Angelo, Dmitry Orlov. They got Caleb Jones. I mean, those some of the guys I just named aren't top four, but, you know, that'll help their defense a little bit. The list goes on and on. The team is unreal, not to mention that they're one of the best teams at five-on-five five scoring, which is great for many different reasons, especially when you get to the postseason overtime. I mean, there's a lot to be excited for about this Carolina Hurricanes team. Their problem is they can't score during the conference finals. They can't win a game in the conference finals, can't score a game in the conference finals, which is just puzzling to me. I mean, you got this great team, you got this great coach. Every time you get to the conference finals, you get swept. They also need to work on scoring on the power play. They had the second-best penalty kill last year, but when it came to the power play, they only scored at 19.8%. I mean, you need to get the power play to the mid-20s. I mean, if you really want to do damage, especially in the postseason. If the Hurricanes had a power play like the Edmonton Oilers, I don't think they'd be stopped. Truly. I think they'd win the President Trophy, and they'd be like unbeatable like Colorado that one season. It'd be unbelievable. So that's something I think they need to work on. But other than that... This team's great. Couldn't agree more. There are two powerhouses in the Metropolitan Division as we enter the division this season, I believe. And the other one, of course, is the last team we are going to talk about from the Metropolitan Division. And that is my favorite team, the team closest to my heart. But we are going to talk about them objectively, of course, the New Jersey Devils. Frank, I'll let you lead off with the talk about the New Jersey Devils and what you think about them. Strengths, weaknesses, Everything else in between going into this season. Well, Hughes, Heischer, and Brett is the three-headed beast. The one of the probably the best trio in the league right now. Honestly, Jack Hughes was one point shy of scoring 100 points and becoming the first Devils player in the franchise history to score 100 points. Um, the Devils are actually one of only five teams in the NHL who's never had a 100-point player. Um, this stat alone just shows you how much the Devils are improving. They finished one point behind the Hurricanes last year for first place in the Metro. They're also bringing in Tyler Toffoli, who will strengthen their top six even more. They have one of the deepest cores in the NHL. Heischer, Hughes, Brett, Toffoli, Mercer, Meyer. They're also developing their defense more and more, and will do so this year with Luke Hughes, Simone Nemich. I mean, they already have Dougie Hamilton um, to lead the defensive core this year. Um Plus, the Devils finally have goaltending that I like. I'm a big fan of Akira Schmid. Um, if it was up to me, I'd make him the number one this year. And if things look shaky, you trade for Hellebuck or come trade deadline or something. But I would give Schmid the start. Um, I don't know how much I trust Vanacek, but I really, really like what I've seen from Schmid. Um, the weaknesses are there are two that I see with the Devils. I know the Devils got into the playoffs and won a round, but I still think they have a lot of work to do in terms of developing their young players for those tough moments, for those gritty playoff moments. I'm not saying it's impossible for the Devils to win in their current state. I think they got a great team. They're cup contenders. But I think they're going to have to be near perfect to do so until they develop those players a little bit more. Um, they still need some of that extra experience, right? And the other uh, – problem is the uncertainty of the goaltenders like like i said i love akira smith and i hope that he stays as hot as he was last year but Vi vitek vanacek was awful last year when it came to the postseason 
Um, Vanacek has been in the postseason three times in his career. And each year of his career in the playoffs, he's finished with the goals against of over four. And his save percentage has either been 750, horrendous, 863, horrendous, and 825, horrendous. When it comes to the playoffs, he's not that good. There was no excuse for him not to be good on this great Devils team last year, which is why I think Schmidt should get the start. But lot, lot to look for uh, for you, VP, as a Devils fan. Absolutely. I don't think I would take a team's overall organization over the next handful of years more than um, the New Jersey Devils. I, I really believe they're the only elite team with an elite farm system. Um, the farm system is going to dwindle. You take Luke Hughes and Nemich out of it and probably Holtz too. I think Holtz is going to make the roster out of camp. He might even play on the top line with Heischer and Meyer. And then you got Brat Toffoli, Hughes on the second line. And then you bump down Mercer to the third line because why the H not? And you have a potential 30 goal scorer on every line of the top three. You know, we know about fourth lines and stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's the most talented forward group the Devils have ever had. Yeah. And I can't recall the last time I thought the Devils were going to win the Stanley Cup coming into this or had a chance to win the Stanley Cup coming into the season was going into 2013, the short season. And that was the year after they lost the Cup to the Kings. Okay, they sucked that year. They didn't suck, but they barely missed playoffs by like five points, I think. And it was downhill ever since. And this is the, and I didn't believe they could win the Cup going into last year. You know, they ended up being one of those teams. Um, they were eliminated by one of the two teams that had more points than them. That gives me um, hope that, you know, you take that next step, you could be that team. I do think they gained a ton of valuable experience. There's more experience to be gotten. Jack Hughes is 21. He sure is 24. Like these guys are still really young. All the best players in the Devils besides Meyer and Toffoli, I guess, and Hamilton are all younger than you, which is like these guys are young. And I, I just – I do think it was a good thing. In the, it sucked in the mean in the time. After game five, I cried. I was so sad that the devil season ended after the ride that we were just on for seven months. But in a way, beating the Rangers and being on such a high and then having to fly to Carolina the next day to play the Hurricanes and that letdown that they experienced – and the Hurricanes were ready for him. They didn't have that. It wasn't that big of a deal to beat the Islanders. They can learn from that. Mm-hmm. That could be something that helps them win in the second round this year. Not saying they will, because they'll play other teams that are just as good, just as experienced, if not more. But like, if they play the Rangers in the first round this year and win an emotional Game 7, I don't think that'll be doomsday for them as much in the second round this year as it was last year. Mm-hmm. Now, you might need to experience that. Like you, maybe you win the second round and then you choke in the conference finals this year. Like those things happen. We saw the progression with Colorado and Tampa Bay and Washington. That happens. They are not, I'm not, I'm not coming here. They are going to win the Stanley cup. I just, I think that's as good of a chance as they could have. People forget windows close quickly too. This guy gets hurt. This guy all of a sudden starts to fall off. Um, This player is not the same as they were three years ago. They should be all in on winning the Stanley Cup over the next three years. It starts now. I'm pumped. And guess what? I hope Vanacek and Schmid share the net. And if they're both good, be confident in the playoffs and they'll be healthy. Or they go trade for Hellebuck. I'm not going to complain with either. But 
Vanacek is one of two Devils goalies to win the Stanley Cup or to win 30 games in a Devils uniform. The other is Martin Brodeur. Mm-hmm. So if they can replicate that in the regular season, we'll, we'll cross that playoff bridge when we get there. Coming into the season, though, I do think Vanacek and Schmidt should form a formidable duo. I'm looking in the Metropolitan Division, and the only teams with better goaltenders than Vanacek and Schmidt are the Rangers and Islanders. Like, who's significantly better than Vanacek and Schmidt on Carolina or on Columbus, Washington, Philly? Carter Hart could develop into one of those guys. I think Kochekov's unreal. He is unreal. He is unreal, but he hasn't won 30 games in the NHL. He, he, I'd get the start for me if I was the Hurricanes. Oh, me too. Me too. Easily. I think he'll be the number one in short order in a few years. People are always so scared about benching guys that make more. It makes mm-hmm. no sense to me. You yeah, let money dictate winning that much? Me too. I agree. It's, like, it's what weird. are you doing? You'll make more money on ticket sales in the playoffs. Like, I don't I know. know. It's don't weird. Know. But hell yeah, the Devils, they're amongst the five best teams in the NHL. They will be a true Stanley Cup contender, and I, I've only shit on them on this show up until last year. So I feel like I'm allowed to say it as a fan because I have no problem shitting on them when they suck. Um, I was actually down on them. I was really down on them two years ago because they played well and still lost. Yeah. They, they were playing well in these games, but they used seven goaltenders. And – Vanacek and Schmidt weren't one of them. I think Schmidt was one of the seven, but he played one game. Vanacek was still in Washington. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking Nico Dawes and um, who was uh, Blackwood and who there was other ones. I'm drawing blanks on who they were now. Eric Comrie, guys like that, like just these guys who should not be playing in the NHL. And now that they have good goaltending, they're one of the top teams in the league. Woe is me. Um, but – as you could tell, I'm very excited. I can't wait to get going. Detroit in the first game, it should be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a blast as a Devils fan for you, VP. Hell, yeah. You know what? I watched every game when they sucked. I mean, we're talking 10 straight years of a 300, 400 winning percentage. Mm-hmm. And I did not miss a minute of it. So I'm ready for a season like this. I'm ready for we're it. We're almost I there. Cannot wait. We're almost we're there. there. Um, Frank? Who do you have winning the Metropolitan Division? I'm going to go with the Carolina Hurricanes to win the Metro. When I was doing the division preview and really looking over this Hurricanes team, they're unreal. They have such a great offense, such a great defense. I love their coaching situation. They've won the division the past two seasons. I'm predicting them to do it a third year in a row. I like the pick. I went back and forth. I'm going to pick the Devils. They came one point short last year if they would have won one extra game. Like, if they don't blow that game to Florida in March where they yeah. were winning 2 nothing, they win the division. Exactly. So, like, you know, stuff like that happens. Every team blows a two-goal lead in the game and loses. Every team comes back from a two-goal lead at some point and wins. Uh, the best teams and the worst teams. Um, the freaking Oakland A's won seven in a row this year. Like, anything can happen in sports. But I, I think, just – I think it's the Devils or Hurricanes. Me too. That's it, really. Me too. If someone came up that wasn't one of those two and they like were as good as those two and ended up winning the division, they would be like a surprise cup contender. Mm-hmm. Like Pittsburgh or the Rangers or the Islanders, I think mm-hmm. would be the best teams with the best chance. Um, but yeah, who do you have as the worst team in the division? Who comes in <laughs> dead last? 
think we're both going to agree here. I got the Philadelphia Flyers. The only thing to get excited about this year is the Sean Couturier is making a return. They're fully rebuilding. Everyone knows how bad they're going to be. The only thing to look forward to as a Flyers fan right now is the draft next summer for Max Celebrini. Macklin Celebrini. Make sure you watch him this year over in college hockey. Can't wait about that. Um, which we're going to dive into some college hockey next week on the show. I plan on previewing that a little bit because this year is going to be a big college hockey year here on Bar Down. Um, sleeper. Who's your sleeper in the Metropolitan Division? Uh, my sleeper in the Metropolitan Division. I'm going to go with the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think that of all the bad teams from last year, they're going to have one of the best turnarounds of any team. They have some pretty good prospects that were out of the team. I think that I think because of that, Johnny Goudreau will only get better as well. Zach Wierenski is fully healthy, and the defense has gotten stronger. I mean, I don't know how the goaltending will hold up, but that's why I have them as a sleeper. I also have the Columbus Blue Jackets as my sleeper. Um, I think they have a real good chance of – being a decent team, a respectable team, a team that people want to watch. Fantilli will be fun. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I wrote the Caps, too, as an honorable mention, only because of the players that they do have with the pedigree that they do have. Um, and I wanted to throw out one thing that was different than yours because I knew we were going to go three for three locked <laughs> on these. Um, so I wanted to throw the Capitals in there, too, because, you know, there is a world where Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, Carlson, mm -hmm. the score that has won the Stanley Cup, there is a world where this team gets 90 points and sneaks into a playoffs. But I do – in in the multiverse, the, this Capitals team makes the playoffs in at least one of them. I, I do believe that. And so they – although I wouldn't pick them, and you'll see who I pick later in the show, but – I just – they have to be mentioned as a team that – they don't suck. I agree. Nothing wrong with that. And now I think I know what this is. This is where we disagree. Oh, yeah. Give me your hot take on the you Metropolitan Division. Oh, yeah, I know what's coming. Uh, my hot take is that the Pittsburgh Penguins will fail to qualify for the postseason. And the reason is why is it's a hot take because everybody's so highly talked about this Pittsburgh Penguins team um, since they acquired Carlson and – but, you know, I see their speed and oldness hurting them much more than helping them. And we'll see how uh, we'll see how well this take goes. But I'm, I'm firmly standing by it. My hot take is that the Pittsburgh Penguins will have a better record than the New York Rangers. Wow. They will both be playoff teams, but the Pittsburgh Penguins will have more standings points than the New York Rangers. Rangers. That's spicy. Spicy. Crosby and Malkin and Latang and Carlson and Gensel and Riley Smith and Jari and Raquel. Oh, and Brian Rust. Woo! Let's go, Pens. Meh, meh, meh. Let's go, Pens. Meh, meh, meh. We'll see. That shit was so annoying in the playoffs all those years ago. It was so <laughs> annoying that I liked it. It was so annoying that I started to get into it. And I'm kind of sad we never got a Hawks-Penguin-Stanley Cup final. We were robbed. We were robbed of a Hawks-Penguin-Stanley cool. Cup final. That's probably one of the most things we were robbed of in all of sports. We got LeBron versus Curry multiple times with multiple different teams, right? Um, we yeah, got, I think so. We got Manning versus Brady in AFC Championships games. We got Eli Manning versus Brady in Super Bowls. 
We got Patrick Mahomes versus Brady in the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. We had the Harbaugh brothers against each other, too. The Harbaugh brothers in the Super Bowl. We never got Crosby versus the Blackhawks. The best team versus the best player. We never got that. That was unreal. Like We were robbed. As many times as they both made it to the cup and won the cup, we never they never yep. faced each other. Yep. It's true. It's very wow. true. We did get Hawks light. We did get a true passing of the torch. Yeah, that Hawks was cool. lightning. The Hawks beat the Lightning, and then the Lightning won two of the next, however many, mm-hmm. um, while the Hawks faded away. I do think that that was probably the like best passing of the torch moment in sports over the last ten years. It's like, like the Hawks team. had to get their one more in, and then yeah, and okay, Lightning, it's your turn. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's true. Just but man, I, that hit me. We got Brady versus Mahomes in the AFC Championship game. <laughs> And he switched leagues, and they got in the Super Bowl. That's, I mean, that is just, just unreal. Excuse me, I got the hiccups mid-show. Um, but, yeah, Frank, that's the Metropolitan Division. Loved talking about it. That's the division I watch the most. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love every division equally, but my Devils play in this division. So pretty heavily studying the other seven teams there, too. Yeah, for sure. You got to. Absolutely. And it's America's favorite division because East Coast is the Beast Coast. Um, <laughs> they're on TV the most. Um, Frank, let's get into some general NHL conversation and predictions in period number three. Welcome to period three. Frank, we're going to go over a couple news in the NHL really quick before we get into our predictions. We'll start off with the injury to Andre Vasilevsky. Two months recovering from his surgery. Rough. Lightning are in trouble. Yeah. I mean, one of the best goalies in the NHL is out eight to 10 weeks after recovering from lower back surgery. This is going to be scary for Tampa Bay. Um, They don't have a ton of depth um, as it is, and they definitely don't have a a lot of goaltending depth. Their starter for the time being is Jonas Johansson. Um, I mean, that's not going to bode well for the next two months. The good thing is that the Lightning will have some cap relief since uh, Vassie will be placed on LTIR. Uh, but they'll be have to be careful about that because when he returns, that cap hit comes back. And I think the best case scenario right now is you go out and trade for a goalie because over the two two months is a long time to be without Vasilevsky. And if you're buried that deep after two months, it's hard to make up points in the NHL as it is. It's going to be even harder then. Um, you don't have to get crazy. I kind of like what Pierre Lebrun said about uh, acquiring a goalie. He says maybe someone like Halak, Brian Elliott, Martin Jones. I mean, obviously, you can't go out and get afford uh, Connor Hellebuck because when Vassy returns, you won't be able to afford both. So someone on the cheaper end um, who's played in meaningful NHL games is probably the route you'd want to take. Um, but I kind of fully expect them to make a move like that. I really do. I don't see him going with Jonas Johansson for the next two months. I'd be kind of surprised. Yeah, I, I would be surprised too. Um, I do think they're in trouble though. Um, it's going to be hard to overcome an injury like that. So we wish Andre Vasilevsky nothing but the best. Um, another thing, Frank, we have the Zegras contract. Yep. Trevor Zegras, three years, three or 5.75 million. Some people are calling it an underpay. Some people are calling it perfect for Zegras. Some people like me don't necessarily think they know perfectly how to judge it. Based on some of these features, where are you at on the Zegers contract? We got what three years, five point seven five per year, right? Is that yep. about right? Yep. 
uh, I see what the Ducks did here, right? He hasn't performed up to the contract worth more than what he got. Um, this wasn't a long-term extension because in about three years, if the Ducks develop the team the way they hope for, Zegras will be ready for a bigger contract on a much better Ducks team. Um, so I, I think they did this on purpose, knowing that he is key to this Ducks organization. We can't give him eight mil, though, because he's played in the NHL a lot, and we haven't seen really what they were expecting out of him. So I think right now that's fair because in like when his contract is up, if he really is the player that he says he's going to be or that they think he's going to be, um, he'll be worth a lot more in three years. Yes, I do think he'll be worth a lot more in three years. They run into the risk of losing him. I think that's a thing that is an issue. Um, it's hard with a player that flashy and that became the face of the league almost mm-hmm. as quickly as Zegers, but hasn't been as productive as a player worth. His flash doesn't match his production. His being on the NHL cover – doesn't match, you know, those guys usually have 80, 90 points yeah, right. right out the gate. Zegris will be worth that money one day. I do believe he's got a couple hundred point seasons in his in his body. Like there's there's a lot there, but it's not there yet. And the Ducks played hardball with him. They won. Um, they're getting less than the 1 million per 10 points. Um, you know, we always talk about that. And I do think that applies to a player yeah. like Zegris mm-hmm. more than it does a player like, uh, Drysdale, who we're going to talk about here as a player the Ducks still haven't gotten done, but Zegers is back. Um, it's a good deal for uh, the Ducks. Zegers is rich. Okay, so that's something to remember too. Zegers is rich now, so that's nice. Um, but what about Drysdale? He's a different story. They got a lot of hope for this kid, the Ducks, but um, he's only played in eight games last season. So, I mean, what do you go off of? I mean, his contract won't be anything huge, but they should get him signed and let him develop with the younger core. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't – he's harder to judge just because he hasn't played that much. I don't know what your take on him is, but I think you got to get him signed to at least let him develop with this core that they're building. Yeah, so I think he's just as good as Jake Sanderson, who the – Senators lined up right away, mm-hmm. and one went fifth, one went sixth in the draft. And Drysdale was supposed to go ahead of Sanderson. Ottawa overdrafted him based on projections. They're both equal, really good. Uh, Drysdale's got a little higher ceiling offensively, I think, a little bit more of a riverboat gambler than, let's say, Sanderson. But um, I, I think they got to get it done. He, he only played a handful of games last year, as you mentioned, and it's just it's a hard contract to give out, kind of like Zegris. Yeah. But I would I would give him a two year deal at five and okay Jamie, we'll we'll reevaluate this thing after you have a couple really good seasons under your belt and you'll be handsomely paid in short order. But like mm-hmm. you also say that like how do you expect us to give you an eight nine million dollar a year deal or an eight million dollar a year deal when you played last year? Yeah, you can. If I was the client, I would understand stuff like that. That would make sense to me. Like, oh, you don't say you're not going to give me nine mil after I played eight games last year. Like, he probably spent more time playing Fortnite than he did NHL hockey last season. <laughs> probably. So, like, you know, he's got to be smart, too. Because if you want good money in the long term, you'll get in training camp as fast as you – and that's another thing. In order to get that paycheck, missing time now isn't going to help you. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows what happens to you if you don't skate in NHL games for an X amount of time. Like – you know, there's risk to that. So Absolutely. it's got to get done. Hopefully it does. 
Um, Frank, a couple more news items. We'll start with the Bedard preseason hype. He scores his first um, preseason goal. It was the prettiest empty netter you'll ever see. Um, Deacon through the neutral zone, making sure it's onside and shooting it through a couple red wing defenders. Um, I like Bedard. A couple assists throughout the preseason, too. He's had multiple points every single time he plays, it seems like. There was the one game where Detroit kind of shut him down. But um, for the most part, he's looked amazing in the preseason and living up to the hype so far. Yeah, you know, he's not playing against the cream of the crop, but these are some of the best players he's ever played against in his NHL or his hockey career, I should say. That's the thing people always fail to realize. A good right. preseason. It's also still the best players he's ever played against. Yeah, right. These are NHL prospects and some of the guys are, who actually play in the NHL every night. I mean, they're not all backups out there. I mean, he looks great. He looks promising. Um, and from what I've seen so far, everything should go according to plan with Bedard this season. I can't wait to watch his first ever NHL game in less than a week. We're almost there. Six days away. The time has almost come. I've been waiting for this moment for a very long time. Absolutely. Uh, I can't wait to see. Like, you could tell he's breaking ankles out there. The pucks aren't beating the goalie quite yet. But, you know, he's got NHL defensemen falling on their arse while he's mm-hmm. deking through the neutral zone. And he's shooting around people and skating through people and deking around people. That's going to continue. And his shot is too unreal for it to not just go in the net 40 times at least this year. Uh-huh. I honestly believe so. So that's been outstanding. Um, and honestly, the fact that he has such a nose for the net where he was the guy who scored the empty netter, that speaks volumes too. You know, Ovechkin, he hasn't passed Gretzky yet for the all-time lead in empty net goals, but he will. He will. At least four of his 40 goals this upcoming season will be into the empty net. I think that would break Gretzky's record. Oh, wow. The two leading goal scorers in NHL history are the two leading goal scorers in empty net goals as well. Those guys, they find the net no matter what. Goal scorers score goals no matter how. And Ovechkin's uh, empty net goals look the same as his, you know, power play blasts that are impossible to score. Um, The thing about Bedard, there are about five guys in the NHL who can score a goal on a goalie clean. Like just blast it by them. I think Bedard's one of them. You know, Jack Hughes, he needs a screen. He needs to change the angle. He needs to do this. He needs to deke, you know, use his leg. Ovechkin can just, I shoot puck faster than you can react. Bedard might be one of those guys too. We'll see. Um, Mikhail Backlund, right as the end of our show was ending last week, yep. they announced his contract and we got it in the air that they announced his contract. But what yep. we didn't see was the fact that they named him to be the captain of the Calgary Flames. Um, your reaction in full to the contract and the captaincy. I like the captaincy. We were talking about this off there that there's really not been a captain this year that was named that I wasn't a fan of. I think it's great. He's been in the NHL with the Flames for quite a long time. Two years, $4.5 million per year. Um, he's going on his 16th year now in the NHL. Last year, he had his career best finally after sixteen or after 15 years uh, of 56 points. He had 19 goals, 37 assists. He's one of the top leaders of the bottom six in Calgary, um, which is why I think he makes a great captain as well. I mean, we both chose the Calgary Flames as our sleeper team in the Pacific Division. So if, there were, if that was to be true, I think a lot of that starts at the back end with Backlund. If he gets over 50 points once again, that'll definitely give Calgary a better chance to fulfill our sleeper pick. But I like the contract. He earned it last year for sure. He's getting older, but I do like the contract, and I do like him as captain. He knows this Flames organization well. 
Absolutely. Um, I'm with you. I think he's a great little bridge. We'll see who they name captain eventually. Like long-term, I think the next captain will be. But Backlund has been a good flame for a long time. So I'm in on his contract, and I'm in on him being the captain. Watched a little of the Flames Jets a couple nights ago. Wrote about that rookie, um, Matt Coronado. Mm-hmm. Played for Harvard, first-round pick of the Flames. Wrote an article about how he could sneak into the top six and make a difference for them this season. Um, Frank, it's that time of the show that everybody's been most excited for. I've been most excited for it. You've been thinking about it. Let's talk about our predictions throughout the NHL. We'll start with the individual trophies. Then we'll do our West playoff predictions. Then we'll do our East playoff predictions. Then we'll do our Stanley Cup predictions. The winner, the loser, all that jazz. The Stanley Cup prediction is obviously going to probably both be wrong completely. Um, those, It's way too early to make predictions like that, but we're going to do it just for fun. Now, the playoffs, East and West, I don't think that's crazy to do before the season, obviously. But um, we're going to have some fun with it. Frank, we'll start with the Hart Trophy. Um, why do you think McDavid's going to win the Hart Trophy again? Yeah, I'm going with McDavid. And it's very hard to repeat as the Hart Trophy winner. You truly have to be that good. McDavid had 153 points last season. He very well can get more than that this year. I'm not putting anything past that man. Um, he isn't going to win it every year because that's just not how it works. But I don't have a prediction of anyone else dethroning him this year. As of right now, the last person to win it back-to-back was Alex Ovechkin in 2008, and he won it in 2009. Before that, it was Dominic Kasich in two, or 1997 and 1998. We're due for a repeat winner, and McDavid is the man to do just that. Yep, we're due for a repeat winner. I do think McDusty wins the Hart Trophy. Um, other nominees, I could see Kale McCarr winning it. I could see Jack Hughes winning it. I could see David Pasternak winning it, Matthew Kachuk, Austin Matthews, the Nate Daug, um, Leon, if McDavid got hurt, I think. He's already yeah. won it once before in that situation. Um, I could see uh, Shesterkin might be the only goalie I could see winning it this year. Um I really don't think I have another guy that could. I mean, uh, I think if Vancouver was elite, Peterson could win it. Yeah. There are a couple guys like that where, like, if their team was elite and they led the way, like, that, that's the type of player. But I ultimately think all those guys are great that I named. But McDavid's going to prevail once again. I think he gets his 1,000th point this season, which is just unfathomable to think about a player who's 27 getting his 1,000th point. Do you think Bedard wins a heart eventually? Yes. I think Bedard and Hughes each get one. Just one? Yeah. Interesting. Because uh, they play with McDavid. Like, And by the time McDavid's gone, they might not be Hart Trophy players anymore. You know, they'll be in their late 20s, early 30s. So maybe they get more than one, both of them. That'd be cool. They're in the mix. I think they both are consistently in the top 10 of voting. So, Frank, the Norris Trophy. The Norris Trophy. I went a little uh, off the haywire here, right? Want to create some conversation. I'm going with Miro Heiskanen to win the Norris. The Dallas Stars can easily win the Stanley Cup this year, and Miro Heiskanen has already cemented himself as one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Last year, he had a career-best 73 points. He more than doubled his production from the year prior, and I think he's only going to get better this year with Dallas' team uh, producing even more so than last year, and the potential is through the roof for this team. Um, If Eric Carlson had 101 points, obviously that's not going to happen again. If you were to take away 
Eric Carlson's production last year. Um, the next highest defenseman was Josh Morrissey with 76, and Heiskanen was only three behind him at 73. So he could easily break 80, and if that's the case, he's already a tremendous defenseman on top of his offensive production. He might have he might have the most points of any defenseman this year. So, and he's not even a top five player in terms of the odds to win it this year. But I'm going to go with Miro Heiskanen. Very interesting. I like the pick. I like the pick a lot. I am going chalk. I'm going to pick Kale McCarr because he didn't win it last year. Um, I don't think McCarr is going to go too many years in a row without winning it throughout his NHL career. He's got one. I think this is the year where he adds number two. The Avalanche are going to be dirty. Um, he's going to lead the way. He kind of got off to a slow start last year, and he still ended up as top the, you know, amongst the best defensemen in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um and in terms of points, because we all think he is the best defenseman in the NHL. And I think this is a year where he has the points to match the hype and the defensive side of things. Kale McCarr is the Norris Trophy winner. I like it. I thought about it. Didn't want to go chalk, really. I didn't want to do chalk on all these. No, I I didn't go chalk on – I think I went chalk on one of the next three, the, one of the last three we have. Um, we'll, we'll start with Rookie of the Year, where I know for a fact you're going chalk. Oh, absolutely. It's hard not to go with Bedard. I picture him getting 82 points this season. If, if if that's the case, he will have the Calder locked in, no doubt, I think, unless another rookie does something unheard of. But the best projected player doesn't always win it, but I would think that I'd be a fool not to say Connor Bedard. I mean, fantasy hockey had him rated as right under Brad Marchand in our draft. That's how much Yahoo's AI thinks how well he's going to be productive this year. Uh, all the other NHL players he was ahead of, and he hasn't even stepped foot on regular season NHL ice before. I'd be a fool not to say Connor Bedard. I completely agree, um, but I'm not picking Connor Bedard because I didn't want to go chalk. Um, in their rookie season, Quinn Hughes had 53 points, uh, Kale McCarr had 50, and Moritz Sider had 50. Um, those are amongst the best defenseman rookies ever. Larry Murphy had the greatest offensive rookie season ever for a rookie defenseman. He had 76 points. If Luke Hughes gets close to that, he'll be in the Calder Trophy conversation. There's no doubt. Um, I'm going to pick Luke Hughes just to be different. I do think Connor Bedard has a really good chance. It's going to be one of those two. I think it'll be a nice little bar down battle all season long between the Devils' best rookie and the Blackhawks' best rookie competing for the Calder Trophy this year. I am going to pick Hughes to win it because he is a defenseman. He'll need less points to get the votes. Um, He's going to play with Jack Hughes at five on five a lot. I think they're going to make sure that that happens a lot. From what I've been noticing in the preseason, um, and it looks like they're using him a lot on the top power play unit and moving Hamilton down to the second unit to play with Mercer and Toffoli and all these guys. They could build two really good power play units because they have Hughes and Hamilton now. Um, I think Hughes is going to eat a lot of secondary assists from snapping it on the power play with, you know, Meyer and Heischer and Hughes and, you know, all these guys. I'm just going to pick him a little biasly. I think it's definitely between him and Bedard. I do think Logan Cooley, Adam Fantilli, and Devon Levi have a chance as well. Those are the big five in terms of the rookie race this year. They get some votes. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. The Vezina Trophy, we will agree here. No, we will not agree here. Okay. I went way off the grid. Not not a top five favorite at all. If you say Mrazic, I will get so oh, – I'm kidding. It was a Blackhawks joke. Go ahead. Um, yeah, no, we're not going to agree here. The past four seasons, 
which this stat is unbelievable. The past four seasons, the Vezina winner has had plus 2,000 odds or better, which is unbelievable. Yes. Isn't that crazy? Oh, shit. Isn't that crazy? So I'm going with another guy and I'm going who has plus 2,000 odds. I'm going out on a limb and going to go with somebody who's looked very promising last year and may only get better this year. I'm going Philip Gustafson. Gustafson finished the year last year with a 931 save percentage, a 210 goals against. I think that with Flurry turning 39 years old, Gustafson signing a three-year extension, we're finally going to see a consistent goalie bloom into something remarkable. I'm going to go with Philip Gustafson. Wow. I love the pick. I would love if the Minnesota Wild were that good because of their goaltending. I would love that. Sign me up. Yep. Love the pick, Frank. Love the pick. Um, Gustafson, the Wild, he played so well against the Dallas Stars last season in the playoffs, and the Stars barely squeaked out the game six win mm-hmm. and took down the Wild. Gustafson's a great player, and I think the Wild will play good D in front of him and make it easy. So, um, Good pick. Very good pick. Did not know that stat. That's an unreal stat. It's unbelievable. The, last, the last four years? Last four years, yeah. Four years, what was the plus? Plus 2,000? Plus 2,000 or more. I think Allmark last year is like plus 8,000. Can I tweet that? Yeah, I don't or care. You, you tweet it and I'll retweet it? I need that out in the universe. Okay. I can where, did, where did you find that? I could find it for you. You don't have to do it right this second. We'll finish the show. Um, I picked Otter. Jake Ottinger. I was um, going to go him and then. I just I think know. the Dallas Stars are going to be so good. They got Heiskin in and all these great defensemen playing in front of them. I think he kind of stunk in the playoffs last year in the later stages of the playoffs, and he can only get better from here. I think the Stars are a true cup contender, and I'm picking Jake Ottinger to win the Vezina Trophy. I like – I was going to choose Ottinger. I really was. And then I'm like, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I like That's that. Like, so, yeah. Absolutely. Very good. All right, Frank, who do you think is going to win the Selkie Trophy? You're going to be happy about this one. I'm going Nico Hischier. I think without Bergeron in the NHL, Nico is a clear favorite to win it this year. Came second in voting last year. And this year, I think this is finally the time where there's a new face that wins the Selkie Trophy. Tremendous two-way player. Tremendous two-way center. Feels like it's kind of a passing of the torch moment. Um, where we'll start to see new Selkie winners emerge, whether that be Nico this year, maybe Mitch Marner next year. Um, I just think we're in a new era now for Selkie winners, and I think it starts this year. Absolutely. I don't think a winger is going to win it for a while. I think Marner had his chance. Um, It's possible. It's just rare. It's just so rare. Um, I also picked Heischer. Obviously, people are going to say there's bias to me, but he literally came in second, and he had signs of it for – basically his entire career so far. Like right when he was drafted, we were like, this could be the guy that like wins the Selkie trophy a bunch in his career. Like, you know, he came in second last year. We'll see what he's able to do this upcoming season, but he was plus 33. He only took 10 penalty minutes. He had 80 points, 31 goals. Um, all of his advanced statistics look like they were pretty good. 53% in the faceoff dot. That's outstanding. Um, 61 blocks, only 34 hits, but he had 64 takeaways, which is a lot, and only 41 giveaways. Um, the Devils' turnover ratio is significantly better than most teams, and he sure is a huge part of it. So I think that he will be the winner of the um, Selkie Trophy. I want to show you something really quick. Uh... Go ahead. 
Wow. Recent Vezina Trophy winners. That there is you that is very that. interesting. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. And then before that, there was like a nice little run of players with good odds. Or yeah, Carey Price, Tuka Rask, I see down there. Braden Holpe only at 1,300. Rene at 1,500. Vasilevsky. Crazy, though. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, Sergey Bobrovsky wasn't even on the board when he won it. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm The Vezina is weird every year. That's why I like the Gustafson pick. Yeah. Very good. Very good pull there. Very good pull. Um, all right, Frank. So Let's happy. go look at our playoff teams. All right. We are going to discuss the eight teams that we think are going to make the playoffs. We'll start with the West. You go first. Name them all. Um, all right. I'm going to have the Dallas Stars, the Colorado Avalanche, the Minnesota Wild, the Edmonton Oilers, the Vegas Golden Knights, the Los Angeles Kings, the Seattle Kraken, and the Calgary Flames. Ah. Yeah. Ah, Frankie's got the Flames making a little bit of a comeback this year, huh? Yep. Very interesting. Very interesting, Frank. I'm very, very intrigued by that, actually. Um, I think I'm still like, oh, man, you made it hard because <laughs> – I just wrote in who I'm going to say for my two wild cards in the West. I had the East done for days. Um, I am not confident in my West at all. At all. I'm confident in the top six. So my top six is your top six. I have the Oilers, Golden Knights, and Kings. Mm -hmm. And then Avalanche, Stars, Wild. Then I have my wild card teams. And I've been pretty back and forth all offseason – and this morning I was thinking putting flames, and you just convinced me. I am putting flames. Wow. In addition to the rest of the ones, I do think the flames are going to have a bounce back year. Um, Huberto, there's no way he doesn't have a bounce back year. He can't be much worse than he was last year based on the skill that I know that he has. And instead of putting the Kraken as the eighth seed, I put the Vancouver Canucks. Oh, I like that. And the reason I put the Vancouver Canucks is I just I feel like this is a year where talk gets the most out of these guys. Quinn Hughes is unbelievable. They're new captain. They finally have a new leader. It doesn't feel stale. Um, Elias Peterson is unreal. JT Miller had a significantly better half in the second half last year and proved that you know maybe his contract isn't that bad, right? Like mm -hmm. you know he was 93 the year before. I think he got in the 80s by the end of last year after a slow start. I mean, JT Miller is unreal. I, I like Thatcher Demko could be a good goaltender. Um, Kuzmenko, good player. We'll see what happens of Pod Colson. He'll probably be just like a fourth-line guy. Um, you know, I, I just – I'm kind of bullish on this last spot. It could be the Kraken. It could be Nashville. It could be St. Louis. I thought long and hard about putting the Coyotes just because, like, why not? That spot is open. That spot is open. I don't think it's going to end up being Winnipeg. Um, I just don't. And, I, you know, San Jose, Chicago, and Anaheim are a no for me. Everybody else above them, 
from last year, I think could sneak into that spot. I went with Vancouver. I like it. I like it a lot, actually. Yeah. So, all right, Frank. Now buckle the, up for the East. Yeah, buckle up for the East. This Let's is, go. You're gonna you're you're gonna be surprised. I think. We'll see. Okay. All right, you ready? I'm ready. In the East, we got the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Boston Bruins, the Buffalo Sabres, the Carolina Hurricanes, the New Jersey Devils, the New York Rangers, and the Columbus Blue Jackets. <laughs> yep. I think they're going to squeak in there. Wow. Yeah. I like it, Frank. Ohio. Yeah. Ohio Sabres and Jackets, I think, wow. get in this year. Very good. And and I was iffy on the Bruins. I do think they're going to make it this year. I don't think um, they're going to have that much of a setback. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a 30-point setback would still be a 100-point team. That's exactly. the thing people are forgetting. Um, the Blue Jackets. Whew, I got them in there. Yeah, that's a spicy take there, my son. All right. I wish I had the Blue Jackets in. I love Ohio. I hope this ends. I hope you're right. Um, <laughs> but I have the Devils, Hurricanes, Rangers, Maple Leafs, Panthers, Bruins, Penguins, Sabres. Uh, you got to have the Sabres. They're no Lightning. No Lightning. No Lightning. The thing. And I was iffy on them before. I was like, I might leave the lightning out anyway. And then the Vasilevsky thing, I was like, they listen, that's the one I'm most worried about being wrong. The lightning getting in mm-hmm. and taking either Sabres, Penguins, Bruins, or Panthers spot. Right. The other ones, I think there are four locks in the East. Devils, Hurricanes, Rangers, Maple Leafs. Those are locks in the East. Uh-huh. The rest are all up to choice. And then in the West, I think there's six locks. Oilers, Golden Knights, Kings, Avalanche, Stars, Wild. Yeah. Um, but hey, what a playoff prediction! Yeah, I'm not putting them on Twitter till Monday night, so you have to be a bar down watcher or listener to hear them from me right now. Um, they're not going on Twitter till Monday night to create engagement the night before on Merry Hockey Eve, but um, maybe I'll put mine out there too. You have to, it's fun. Um, I'll throw you a retweet from the Puck Pros account too. Okay. Just gotta let me know you do it so I see it. Um, you know, I almost muted you on my main account because of Big Brother and Survivor tweets. <laughs> and then you kept popping up on freaking Southside Showdown and Puck Pros and all that. So I was like, okay, just freaking watch the shows on time. You don't have to mute Frank. <laughs> so you're unmuted again. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Um, and keep the tweets going. You know how I feel about keep, like, if you want your Twitter to grow. Right. Keep fucking tweeting nonstop. One an hour. Um, but yeah, wow, what very interesting. The throwing the blue jackets at my face is not what I expected from you. I said buckle up. You did say buckle up. All right, Frank. It is that time for your Stanley Cup prediction. Who on the year of our Lord and Savior 2023, October the 4th, do you think will play and win in the Stanley Cup final? In the Stanley Cup final, I think it is going to be between the Dallas Stars and the Carolina Hurricanes. And I think the Dallas Stars will win the Cup. When I look at both of these rosters and what they do each year, it's hard to argue against it. 
if both of these teams can stay healthy, it wouldn't shock me to see these two teams as the last two teams standing come June. When we're in Door County watching the Cup, I think it's going to be these two teams as of right now. You're a complete asshole. Get out of my brain. <laughs> I want to hear it. Um, I picked the Dallas Stars versus the New Jersey Devils. And I'm biased. I want the Devils to make it. I think they can. And I think the Devils, for the second time in franchise history, will beat the Dallas Stars in the Stanley Cup Final, as they did in 2003. No, 2000. 2000. So we both got the Stars going to the Cup. We do. And Vegas is watching right now going. (laughs) Or or McDavid's watching going. Because I think it's one of those three. The Avalanche are elite, too. And I think they're going to have a better record than all the teams. I think they have the best record in the West. But in the playoffs, man, Dallas is built for the playoffs. They're fast. They're experienced. And that's why I like the Devils, too. They might not have the best record in these, but when it comes to the playoffs, they're fast. They're gritty. I feel the same. I honestly think these two teams mimic each other, except the Stars have slightly better goaltending, but the Devils have slightly better forward group. And Ottinger is a beast in the playoffs. Except for last year in the second round. Yeah, well. Yeah. Um, yeah, we won't talk about that. Yeah. All right, Frank. What a season it is going to be. I am so excited for hockey. Um, yes, sir. My predictions are better than yours, as they always are. We'll um, see who has more in there at the end. <laughs> yeah, it'll probably end I'm gonna up be the only person in the the world who has the blue jackets in. Oh, but I'm you're you're not going to be the only person in the world who supports. They're going to be last team. year's Devils, not quite like that, but they're going to. I think that they're going to make a push for the playoff. Can you imagine if it was quite like that though? Fifty point overall. Can you imagine top team in the Metro they Rangers. One hundred and nine points. Rangers and Penguins. <laughs> yeah, Rangers and Penguins miss playoffs. That would be insane. <laughs> That'd be freaking sweet. All right, Frank. It is time for you to take the bull by the horn in America's favorite podcast segment of the week, Breaking Bets. Where's my money, bitch? Where's my money, bitch? How you doing, VP? I'm doing good. Um, you suck it up last week? Yeah, I did. We're under 50%. <laughs> like Ottinger's second round performance. It is. It is. Yikes. Except uh, we're going to do Ottinger's this year's performance this week. So All right. here we go. First playoff baseball picks of breaking bets this year. We got the Diamondbacks at the Brewers tonight. Zach Gallen and Freddie Peralta. Diamondbacks hit Corbin Burns hard yesterday and snuck out of Milwaukee with the win. It's hard to see the Brewers losing the wild card best of three series in just two games. I know Zach Zach Gallen's a much better pitcher at home than he is on the road. You also got to remember that this is a very inexperienced Diamondbacks team playing a Brewers team who is very familiar with the postseason. So I like the Brewers money line at minus 135 as my first pick. The second pick is I'm going with an NFL football parlay. That would be the Bengals money line and the 49ers money line. It pays plus 154. This is the Bengals' final hope to salvage any point in their season. If you lose to the Cardinals, 
you might as well close the book on the 2023 um, season and focus on next season. I just really don't think that this team is this bad to lose to the Cardinals. I'd be very surprised. And on the other hand, you have the Cowboys who aren't as good as the record shows in my eyes, and the 49ers at home in prime time should be able to run all over the Cowboys with ease. Um, so I think uh, the 49ers should beat the Cowboys. I think the Bengals should beat the Cardinals. And uh, that's my parlay there. And I also got another college, or not college, another uh, baseball, um, playoff baseball prediction as well. That would be between the Miami Marlins and the Philadelphia Phillies. Braxton Garrett going up against uh, Aaron Nola. I would like to think that the Marlins keep their season alive here with a win. I do think the Phillies most likely end up pulling out the series win. But the last time the Marlins lineup faced Aaron Nola, he never made it past four and a third innings. The Marlins should be grateful to see Nola on the mound as they tend to see his pitch as well. So I'm going with the Marlins money line at plus 130. Those are my three picks. Let's get over 50%. I can't hear you. You're muted. Oh, wow. I muted so you can have full uninterrupted talking, and I was an idiot. Um, Yeah, great picks. Get over 50%. The Texas Rangers are about to eliminate the Tampa Bay Raws. Yeah. That is 7-1 they're, they're in the top injured. of the ninth. Very injured, and Wando Franco is going to prison. <laughs> is he really for sure? Not, not for sure, but I'd be stunned if he doesn't. Based on everything that's taken place. Yeah. Um, Very good show. Enjoyed your picks. Um, long show today, two and a half hours. Yeah. Because um, – we opened with football, and the first periods tend to run long because we don't care. And I start taking note of the time later in the show. So our football conversation ran longer than I thought it was going to, and I'm okay with that because I love football. And the hockey conversation was always going to be this length regardless. Mm-hmm. I kind of accepted that today would be a longer show um, before we started. And when I was writing it out, I was like, this is going to take a while to do. But very, very fun. Loved every second of it, Frank. Um, I have good news for you. Let's hear it. I am eating a Curter burger for dinner tonight. Are you really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not waiting another second. Wow. Last night, uh, two nights ago, we did some stuff with my bedroom. Last night, uh, took care of the fantasy hockey draft at 730. That's right in the heart of dinner time, so I ate kind of fast. Um, tonight, free night, Devil's preseason game, of course, against the Rangers. Um, running a full lineup out there. It's a dress rehearsal. I'm excited about it. But I will be enjoying a Curter Burger along with it. And remember, no Big Brother. Big Brother was on yesterday. I Big Brother. brother. Remember that about yesterday's episode? Did you watch oh. yesterday's oh, episode? Yeah, I watched it. I'm oh, okay, good. Just yeah. making sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I also would like to give a shout out to my mom. It's her birthday today. Happy birthday, Donna. <laughs> Happy birthday, mom. I love you. Uh, you brought me into this world, and I wouldn't be on this show if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't be here. So I'm just giving you a shout out. Happy uh, birthday, you, Auntie Donna. Love you very much and uh, happy birthday. Love it. And we'll give a special shout out to Paula as well. Yep. Happy birthday happy to her. Birthday, we love you Paula. very much. Happy birthday, Paula. I was just going to get to that. Um, you yeah. looked, like you looked like you said F you, Paula. Well, I didn't know if you were going to say anything, so I hesitated and you kind of you stole my thunder. I wanted to be nice, boy. Um. Yeah, happy birthday, Paula, to you as well. Um, still baffles me that you guys share the same birthday, um, even after all these years. It's just, it's really weird. 
Um, but yeah, happy birthday. I hope you have a great rest of your day and uh, you both deserve the best birthday as possible. All the guys in the chat best right now, yeah. all the guys in the chat right now are getting the scaries thinking about their mom and their mother-in-law having the birthday on the same day. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Though? They're like, they're looking at Frankie and they're going better you than me. <laughs> I mean, I think it's cool though. I That's do think weird. it's cool. It is interesting. Like, what are the odds? 100% <laughs> technically because it happened. But it's just like unreal. Yep. And credit to our old co-host slash pal Joey Parisi, who is currently um, in a big long tube above the United States of America right now. Waiting <laughs> to get what he, he took off at. Here, I have his information. He took off at... Uh, 350. So he's in the air, and in the hopefully, air yeah, I know. Hopefully, he has a good time in Italy, and we'll see you when you get back, pal. So it'll be over, it'll be after midnight when he lands. Oh, yeah, like our time, yeah. I think it's nine yeah. hours, right? Yeah, it'll be way after our time. That's it'll crazy. be, it'll be like eight in the morning there, though. That's crazy. So he's like essentially losing a whole day uh-huh <laughs> but he'll gain it when he comes back that's the thing people forget uh, when does he um, come i forget 10 days yeah something like something that something like that something like that should be fun for him have fun yeah um when you get back the bruins will already be owing to um <laughs> huh could you imagine <laughs> that'd be very funny because yesterday, while we're doing the fantasy hockey draft, Washington scores in overtime. Kid I never heard of before. And if I never heard of you, I mean, it was funny. Kid from – which, happy for the kid. Scores in overtime. He looks at me with the straightest face. Like, immediately. Goal in, looks at me. Bruins are one and four. I'm like – One and four? Yeah. Yeah, they're one and four in preseason. Who cares though? It doesn't mean anything. Like wins and losses don't matter, but guys aren't scoring. Like, like the Devils are five and zero, oh, but Jack Hughes has three goals. Brat has four. Uh, Luke looks amazing. Dougie looks amazing. Marino looks amazing. He sure's got a couple. Like Myers got a couple. Toffoli scored two two days ago. Like. The right guys are playing well in the preseason. That yeah, hasn't right. been the case as much for the Bruins, and he's a little worried. Preseason does matter in a, in some sense. Wins and losses don't matter, but the way you get to those wins and losses do. Like the Bears, they had a couple comeback victories in the preseason this year when their third stringers outperformed the other team's third stringers in the fourth Yeah, quarter. right. But Justin Fields went three for ten with 100 yards and two picks. And they won the game, and people are, oh, yeah, Bears. (laughs) No, that's when you don't look at wins and losses. It's how you get to wins and losses or how certain players perform. I don't care if a player that the Devils are sending to the OHL scores two goals. I score if I care if Jack Hughes scores two goals. Yeah, right. No, I get what you mean. Like, Connor Bedard looking good in the preseason is significant. The Hawks losing games is not, or winning games is not. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I stand, and Buddy's a little worried that they're one and four. You could see it in his eyes. <laughs> I mean, who knows how they'll perform? They're not a lock. No, they're not. But we'll see. We shall see. All right, Frank, to everybody in the chat, Skyler, 
Rory, Travis, Skokes, Tom, all the people that didn't comment that are watching. If you're listening on YouTube or Spotify after the fact, um, we appreciate you very much. The next time Bar Down goes live, the Chicago Blackhawks and the Pittsburgh Penguins will have opened the season. We will have plenty of other teams getting ready to go that night for the first time. And then the following night, a couple teams will play their first games, and then we will be off and running for the rest of the season. I appreciate each and every one of you. Make sure you watch all the hockey. Make sure you watch all the football. And if you're a baseball guy or girl, you're going to want to tune in tomorrow at 2 p.m. when I'm talking on Crosstown Crosstalk about what's going on in the postseason. We already had our first elimination. No, it's not quite over yet. The bottom of the ninth, the Rays are two outs away from being eliminated by the Rangers. Um should be interesting, though. Interesting. The team started 13-0. and About to be swept out of the wild card series. Um, crazy turn of events in baseball. That's how it works, though. Yeah. And I hope everybody enjoys watching that. We'll see you tomorrow on Crosstown, 2 p.m. Come join me. Um, as always, Frank, before we go, I'll let you see if you have something else you want to say. That's it. I can't wait. The next time we are on the show, Bedard will have played his first ever NHL regular season game. Absolutely. And as always, thank you for listening.